You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Your old pal Tom from Axe to Grind. Um, before we get to our normally scheduled uh, episode, we wanted to um, we had the opportunity to, to premiere um, a new song from our buddies from Florida, Colonial Wound. Um, they're coming out with a 12-inch EP called Degradation on Numerality Zine Records. Um, this is the first song from the uh, the 12-inch, and it's a song called One. Um, we're really psyched on this record, and we're really proud of the band and of Numerality Zine, and we're uh, appreciative that they allowed us to premiere the song for them. So like I said, the record's called Degradation, the band is called Colonial Wound, the song is called One.
guy like me. Welcome to Axe to Grind, the hardcore podcast. I'm Patrick. I'm Bob. And I am Tom. And uh, before we get started, uh, I, uh, Tom, maybe you could take the lead. Sure, on sure. Um, New York, I, I feel like New York hardcore specifically has really kind of taken a lot of hits in the last couple of years. Uh, past week, right um, as the last episode came out, so we didn't have a chance to kind of talk about it on there. Um, uh, Rob Vitali, Rob Vital from um, Black Train Jack passed away. Uh, pretty young dude, probably barely 50, if that. Um, incredibly talented guy. Like if you haven't heard Black Train Jack and you like gray area or you like token entry to me, and I was talking about this today to me, Black Train Jack is the best Ernie band. Like I actually prefer them over. And I mean, that's, you know, up for you can't go wrong, but like I, I actually prefer Black Train Jack over token entry or over like gray area or anything like that. Um, but he was super nice dude, you know, like really, really talented had like, for the time, like when you think about what was going on, like 1993 and 1994, like this dude coming out and like s- singing like that and doing that kind of music in New York was pretty, pretty rare. So this mm-hmm. like pre exist, you know, this pre dated like H2O and stuff like that. Um, did a couple of tours with like, I think they toured the US with like Down by Law, um, you know, and certain other things. They were on, they had two LPs on Roadrunner. Um, like really, really, really like just like a great band. Um, but he was like a super nice dude and he's a dude you would see, you know, at all different types of New York shows and and like Long Island shows and Jersey shows. You know, really kind hearted dude, really funny. You know, like the like when you picture like um like a New York hardcore guy, like I feel like he was one he was like one of the the prototypes of like the like you know, super funny, super cordial, like always kind of like would interact with folks. Um, but yeah, I mean, he got sick and it seems like he, it, you know, things didn't go so well and went, you know, it went pretty quickly. Um, so, you know, think about his family and his friends and, and, and like all the folks in New York that are definitely hurting because he was, you know, a really big part of hard, you know, hardcore here for 30 something years, or whatever. Um, but yeah, which I just, we would be remiss to not be able to, to at least bring him up. Um, that band was super important to me, literally like as a kid. And this is probably, I was probably 17. I was like, I, (laughs) the drummer from black train Jack was my pen pal. Oh, wow. Um, I've had like three pen pals in my life. It was the drummer from black train Jack, David Anthony, David Anthem from prayer for cleansing and like one other person. Mm. So, (laughs) and like, I think I wrote to like, their like, you know, their PO box or something for stickers. And like, he wrote me a letter and then I wrote him back. And because that's what like, and, and that's really what hardcore was. And it was pre email. Yeah. And like, people were just like, Hey man, hope you'll enjoy this stuff. Let me know what you think. We're playing here on this date and blah, blah, blah. Like you see like those old things that was going through the nineties too. And you know, like you see like this, the famous, like Ian McKay being like, Hey, we're going to be at the fucking, you know, the Tut's hut, whatever the fuck, like whatever place, 
in certain areas, like, and they'd be writing to like Al Barrell or, or Al Quint or whatever. Yeah. It was like, you know, on a much lower level, but like, you know, we would just kind of go back and forth. So like, I always had a very special place in my heart for that band. Cause they were like, that's fucking cool. Like, you don't know me from, from Adam and you're like fucking writing back and forth. Like, you know, everything's cool. Um, and <laughs> my funny story that I always tell about Rob is that 1995, I guess it was the first warp tour, whatever the hell that was. It was in, yeah. it was in the stone pony in Asbury park. Asbury Park, 1995, not what you think of today. No, um, very different. Yeah, and I just remember specifically, John Joseph was in the spin that month. And like okay. people kept thinking that, number one, this is a, an aside from my actual Rob story, but people would think was were thinking that Stickman was John Joseph because they were both like muscly and covered in tattoos in 1995, which is not as prevalent as, as it is today. So – Sick of it all is like the second to last band right before quicksand. I go, I'm like, I'm gonna go buy a shirt. I go, hey man, can I get that black one? You know, black one in double in, in extra large. And like he looked at me, he goes, dude, that's a girl shirt. And I was like so taken aback and so embarrassed. I was like, well, it wasn't marked that way. And I, I like stormed away from the table. So that was the only <laughs> negative interaction I've ever had. <laughs> but you know what? It just goes to show put a little st- put a little card. Because especially in the 90s, which we'll get to. Everything was unisex. And yeah, that's true. Shirts all look the same. <laughs> that's true. Well, uh, uh, you, actually, Bob, you are. I don't want to totally distract from uh, an important topic, but Bob, as a uh, sort of a shirt sure. guy, when did when did uh, gendered shirts come in? I mean, it's basically right around there, a little after, and you saw them. I mean, essentially, and this is sort of <clears throat> you guys will both know this. Around the same time as stuff like the gas station shirt was introduced um, or the like satin jackets and all that kind of like funny stuff or work shirts, um, you'd get girly tees and the like ribbed uh, yes. tee for women. Like, yes, that's right. Uh, like those came in and it was sort of they weren't great. And they never sold well, but it was sort of this like, hey, check it out. We do have something for women, but that's like probably a couple years after. Like so, so it would have still been pretty rare to see a band. But you know, maybe on Warp Tour, that's the type of thing where they were testing it out. Um, it wasn't for many years later till people realized, hey, like the gendered merch thing. Let's just let's do better, you know. And let's just do different sizes, which Correct. ended up benefiting everyone because. Male identifying people that were smaller were like, you know what, like a small is not even great for me, but like a youth large would fit me great. Yeah, there's also like I I think that now the game is so much, at least in hardcore, is so much people know the brands. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like there's certain cuts that just fit skinny people way better, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> so like, I, I I don't even know if there's need for gendered shit at all and anymore in that respect, unless I guess you only have one. Like, if you're committed to a brand, I guess, as a band, then you might have to deviate because not all that shit's going to fit everybody appropriately. But whatever. We're off on one. Yes. Uh, So the end result, rest in peace, Rob Vital. Yes. Bob Eats, Rob Yeah, however (laughs) you know him. Um, Just give him a thought. Well, well, you know, when you listen to this, maybe pause it, go listen to the records or just, you know, give him and his family. Go listen to Black Train Jack. Go listen to Nine Lives, right? Yep. Uh, Shout out. R.I.P. 
Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll just, uh, Tom said this, but I'll just add like, even if, even if we didn't know anything about him, uh, a well above average uh, vocal talent for the mm. genre, like well above average. So uh, a thing to check out. Um, okay. Uh, RIP. Uh, moving on a little let's, bit. Uh, let's, um, let's go to our always reliable people who uh, support this podcast, make it possible. Our sponsors. Um, big shout outs to Death Wish Inc. Big shout outs to Closed Casket Activity. Today we're okay. focusing on our two other big homies, we'll call them. Uh, let's start with to live a lie records uh everybody should go to to live click through browse the website but really where we're encouraging you to go is to the web store the big one i'm recommending for today is the executioner mask executioner's mask no funeral cassette that to live a is putting out so this is the tape version of the lp that's coming out on profound lore um so, guys, I wasn't super familiar with the band before. I really liked the name. I was intrigued. Very much kind of this gothy, post-punk vibe. But then I heard the vocals, and all of a sudden it made me think of Pete Steele singing for New Order. Oh. Uh, which some people might hear that and go, yo, what the fuck? Yo, it's awesome. I strongly recommend this. Uh, you know, I'm sure if you like vinyl, you can go get the vinyl. Fine, fine, fine. But To Live a Lie did a really cool cassette. I think you should check that out. So go to toliveali.com, enter their web store, check that out. And while you're there, grab a few other things. He's got a bunch of stuff up. Some stuff for pre-order, as we mentioned last time, the uh, the Trappist Hetsy split 7-inch. That's been moving pretty well. So um, check that out when you get a chance, toliveali.com. Patrick, who's the other sponsor we're talking about today? Uh, tell me, you tell me. Are we talking Run for Cover? We're talking today? Run for Cover today. Okay. Uh, so I have, uh, I have. Firstly, I've been watching videos, which is kind of weird for me. I, 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 uh, I don't like videos. Um, don't you only watch I videos? No, I mean I don't watch like music, music videos. videos. Yeah. Oh, I was like. Don't. You watch YouTube almost like a fourteen-year-old gamer. I do. I was like, "What <laughs> are we doing here?" Like, I don't like videos. I like the raw, I like prose. I like. The I like to read. Word. Yeah, I'd like to read uh, books. With no, no, I pictures. love um, love videos. Don't music. Videos. Don't necessarily love uh, music videos. I I, I mean that they're, they're just they're typically quite bad, and I I don't know why I've fallen down a hole these last few days, but today I watched the fiddlehead video, uh, which I had not seen, which uh, has a, has a really fun cameo uh, uh, from, I, I assume that's Pat's son. Yes. Yeah. Um, that, that's a very I fun cameo. Haven't watched it yet. It's good. Very cute. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's, the, that's the highlight of the video. It's just this cute ass little kid. Um, and this paint is, um, I believe, is that the dude from Akulu? Chris. Yes. It is. Oh, it is. Painting in the background. I did as not they're put playing. That together. It's actually really, it's, it's really cool. Really, really cool. Yeah. And uh then I watched two citizen videos today. Mm. Um the one from a couple months ago I actually uh liked uh th- I even liked the video. Like forget the song, I even liked the video which for me is like very rare. Um but so uh, Citizen is pretty wild band. Uh th- th- they're heavy on occasion. Uh but there's also a lot 
on this new record from what I've heard, a lot of that kind of like, uh, uh, that sort of, uh, uh, post-punk nods in of pop music mm-hmm. that existed a couple, a few years ago. So I'm, I'm talking about the Franz Ferdinand's, uh, even the killers. Sure. There's a lot of the killers in, in, in the new citizen hmm. record. Uh, and it really, it really took me aback. I, I expected kind of, uh, the citizen tracks that I, uh, uh, that I gravitated to most in the past were kind of like, they were heavy tracks hidden within kind of, uh, uh pretty tones, yes. you know? And, this is this is different direction shit. This is like, I, I'm I'm to be honest, I'm quite excited to see where it goes for them because, I, uh, I could really see people latching on in that same way. Like, let's take the killers. Yeah. You're both fans, yeah, aren't I'm you? Sure, definitely a fan. Yep. This podcast, I think, now, is all pro killers. Yeah, we are, and I'm like the least big of those fans, sure. but I still have to cop to the fact Undeniable. that it's just catching yeah, shit. For sure. Yeah. So like, uh, I'm excited that, uh, so this is one of those circumstances where, uh, citizen seems, uh, to have been effortlessly moving in this direction for a while. And this is the big leap to my Mm -hmm. ears. So, so I'm curious how it goes for them and I I wish them the best of luck. And I think that our listeners should check out the record. So citizen life in your glass world, uh, I, can I say I love the record cover? At first, I wasn't sure how I was feeling about it, but it's grown on me and seeing it in pictures and seeing it with the vinyl. Like, at first, I was like, is this a record I need to own or is this something I'm just going to stream to check out? And now I feel like I need to own it. Like, I want to hold it in my hand. So, uh, Interesting. yeah, you ever get that where you see a record and it's like, oh, that oh, looks yeah. cool. And then, then you see it in a photo where it's actually there and you're like, I oh, need to I own that I'm, art. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's kind of cool. I think it's uh, it's weird. I actually love the the weird blue tones. How deep the blue is on the cover too. So, um, so I have citizen, a question for you. Yes, are we human or are we dancer? It's a compelling question. I, I I am dancer. That's how good the killers and citizen are because they can say stuff like that and no one goes, "Wait, what?" Very <laughs> true. Yeah. Citizen life in your glass world. Check it out. Run for cover records.com go to the web store get that uh go ahead and get that fiddlehead record we told you about it first last week like on some kurt loader shit uh and then it just and then it just disappeared but there is the second press uh vinyl is up and it looks pretty it's just a really pretty looking record too same vibe i don't know if it's still available but if if you're someone who maybe didn't buy the first lp because you listen to it on streaming or you're just yeah. getting into it and that's cool too mm-hmm. they were doing a bundle they still have the bundle up i Go bought the, the bundle, bundle just because i was like do i not like it's like one of those things like am i gonna buy this real and realize i don't ha- i already had it because mm-hmm. if if you would put a gun to my head i'm like of course i own that record but nope. no, i see. did not so i Yo, bought the because bundle. It's, yep so the streaming world get yourself that physical feels nice look it in your hands records.com Yo, thank you to all our sponsors. Uh, also, big thank you. I realize that we don't do this enough. Big thank you to all the people who support us on Patreon. Um, y'all are the you best. If, yes, you, uh, if you like what we do, go check out our Patreon. Um, I don't know if we even have a link to it up somewhere, but we'll try to correct that. Um, I'm pretty sure it's patreon.com backslash axe to grind podcast. Uh, let me check that as we talk. Maybe, um, yeah, maybe we can throw that in the yeah, uh, it is. It is that. Yeah, it, it, and yeah. that is what it is. 
um, really helps. And you get a literal hundred-ish hours of additional content in the yep. archive and a couple new episodes on the Patreon exclusive every month. Uh, so, guys... How you doing? I have, how one, we I have another question. Oh, please go ahead. Oh yeah, no. Let's talk. We'll do the we'll do the check ins first. Yeah. How you doing? How we feeling? Oh. Tom, do you have well, a vacation? Who's going to listen? Do you have Do you have a vacation booked yet? Do, do I have a vacation booked yet? No. Okay, we got to work on that. We definitely do. Um, oh, hold on. It's just very stressful. One of my my niece has has uh, has COVID now. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean she's sixteen and or seventeen and fine. Like she's like I everybody yeah. knows it's annoying. Like whatever, but like it's like it, it's like a fucking another family catastrophe after another. Like everyone, you know. Um, no, but I definitely need a vacation. I was thinking about going to California at some point, okay, or Seattle. Um, but yeah, I need I need, I need homeboy needs a break. Okay, so uh, pause on that. I know you got a question, Patrick. How you doing? You been good? Yeah, I'm I'm excellent actually. Uh, I've had. uh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, listen. uh, To be honest, I might trade with almost any of our listeners right now who who don't have uh, a compressed spine uh, because that's my only woes. Is I I feel great. I live in one of the most beautiful places in the world. Life is. uh, I have an upward mobility. Everything feels cool. Uh, But you know, when your back is out of order. It's so hard not to just sit on a cat or lay on a couch and play. Switch. Yo, how long has that been a problem for you? Yeah, uh, it's it's on and off. Uh, I was I just enjoyed like a good two months of no s- situation at all. If for our listeners that uh, like maybe I come off really breezy um, and worry free, that's largely true. But anytime I got some worries, they manifest exclusively in my mm. back and. Uh, it, it, I was behind on some work responsibilities, and it just fucking ate up Yo, my back. Stressed so, on work responsibilities or or hitting a deadline, Patrick. Not a happy Patrick. The worst. Yeah, not a happy Patrick. Have you gone no, to a I, chiropractor? I so, nah, I'm I'm gonna uh, do some weird shit uh, that I learned on YouTube tonight. Mm. Um, you know what they do is, have? Think, like, have you seen those things <laughs> that you like? It's almost like a halo that you connect. To your yep. head, and, and like you can pull and sort of like, I mean, they have these at like, they, I forget what it's called. Um, they have them at gyms, but they, ha- oh yeah, but they have, or you know, you, I, if if you go to you know buy a fucking day pass, get one of those like anti gravity things where you put your feet and then you flip upside down and it kind of like elongates your spine. Yeah, see, I'm trying to do the home version of that. So wish me luck. When Eric's gonna pick you up by your feet. It's like I'm gonna wrap a belt around my forehead, pull, and then hang on the thing. Yeah, um, I was gonna hang me off the balcony like Shug Knight, or like yeah, it'll go Michael great. Jackson with the baby. Um, uh, but well, uh, before we go further, let me say. Uh, so this is being recorded, I think, uh, on uh, what uh, Trans Day of Visibility is yes, that sir. right? Uh, so, uh, shout out to our trans listeners. Big shout out. Um, big shout out yeah. to our trans listeners who are active in our emails, especially to, uh, we hear you, we see you. Thank you for being so, we have a few who are very frequent emailers and it's, it's awesome. Yes. Thank you. And we have your back. Uh, and that's, that's about it for me. I'm addicted to, uh, d- dates and peanut butter and, and, uh, it's ruining my life. I'm putting on weight rapidly. Um, but 
Other than that, good. How are you, fellas? We're good. We're good. We're gonna. Are you doing, Bob? We we never get. Oh, I'm good. No, I'm good. What am I doing? Uh, I'm good. I'm going. Uh, I'm good. Am I my? Here you go. Signal- you going to cool? Uh, yeah, in two weeks I'm going to Coral Gables, Florida, Miami. Um, All right. Mm-hmm. Get some sun. Taking your talents. Taking my talents to South Shout Beach, to baby. South Beach. Baby. Hopefully, um, yeah, all the idiots will be out of there and there won't be like people wrestling in the middle of A1A. Yes, correct. Uh, yeah, just uh, need to get out before the whole world goes. So, but otherwise, everything's good. Everything's, everything's hunky-dory. I feel like we're um, hitting that tipping point where traveling is going to be annoying again. Could be. Oh yeah. Could be. Like when I went in October, I was like, "There's nobody on. There's That's right. great. No one's around. It's like I'm living in fucking 28 days later. This is awesome." Tom, round trip flight to Miami, 80 bucks. God damn. What? Yeah. yeah. Could you send me some I links? Because I'm supposed to go take care of my dad at the end of uh, yeah. May. No, the end of Good. April. And I might want to straighten that out. I. I, I uh, yeah. End of May. As I. As I said it, I said, God damn, I don't have a clue. I don't really even, I, one of those. And I, uh, I was considering flying a thing that I hate to do uh, if it was cheap enough. But I can't find anything. To, they're still asking me fucking pre-COVID I'll, I'll, I'll hit you. I'll see what I can do for you. I'll hit you some links. Um, Thank and, you. And maybe this would be, what a nice time. Uh, Tom, I'll pick you up. We'll cruise up to Albany and, and have an in-person recording the first time in a year and a half. I'd be into that. Ooh. That'd be fun, fun times. I got a spot. Um, all right, Tom. All right. When do you plan to travel? Spring, summer, fall, winter? I was thinking about um, spring, end of May. I'm fully okay. vaxxed. Okay, perfect. Most of my family's fully vaxxed, and they will be fully vaxxed soon. So it's kind of like, yeah, like I, I need another break. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm um, right there with you. Just, yeah, like working from home. And there's been so much shit going on with everything. Um, finally, like Cuomo was forced to give uh, COVID vaccines to inmates. Jesus like, Christ. Mm. He was fighting. Like He wouldn't give it to like, it's just so fucking ridiculous. So like, you know, we have all these folks that work with on Rikers Island that were not, you know, like they were only, they, they had to like go to like court for like, all right, well, this person's really, really, really at risk that we need to make sure that that person gets the vaccine. Now it's going to be open to anybody who wants it. But like they had to go to like the fucking Supreme Court of like New York or whatever the fuck Jesus. it is to get it done. So Cuomo's a dick. Um they ended um uh qualified immunity. Oh yeah, that's wow. big. Okay. Uh, Justin was a part of that, which is good. Sure, um, Justin. That is good. So, yeah, so that just means for folks that don't it just means that like you're not um you can be sued. For if you injure or kill somebody while doing your job, well, quote unquote, doing your job. Mm-hmm. So before, right. it so it's, so it's a, it's a, it, it's it's in line with malpractice, but for people in in like in this case for law enforcement, right? Correct? So yeah, so like you know, if Patrick calls the cops and for you know, I know you don't do that, but if you did, yes. and they walk in and they shoot you in the leg, and now you can't make you know, Russian movies anymore, whatever you do, whatever it is that you actually do, or you can't go on tour for a, a summer, right? Before it would kind of be like, well, and you know, as part of like a governmental agency, we're beyond being sued. But now you could sue them for like loss of, of income and wages and stuff like that, which is a slow incremental step to kind of making people be responsible for their own actions. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I think the next thing is to kind of take it from your pension or like take it from 
I'm, everyone's going to be singing. You know, if 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 they if you know your pensions at risk when one of your friends acts like an asshole. Mm, yeah, everyone's going to have a mouth then. at home. Yeah, so everyone's going to start saying home. stuff and fucking singing. You know, hey, telling every last you know everyone's yeah. everyone will become a snitch. So, um, yeah, things are well, okay. Kinda, yeah, my question for Patrick. Hit me before or do we? Did you have something? Oh no, no, I still have some questions for you, Tom. All right, so again. It's Saturday night and you're at a party. What what are you up to? Choose one of these. Staying up late, chatting with friends, finding something adventurous to do outside, whipping up food in the kitchen, taking a cute outfit of the day pick for the gram, or falling in love with a stranger. Falling in love with a stranger. Okay, very good. Uh, what's your biggest pet peeve of these five? When your phone hits 1% and you left the charger at home. Slow walkers, feeling rushed and stressed, feeling like an outsider, being stuck somewhere with nothing to do. Feeling rushed and stretched. Stressed. Okay. Uh, what's on your bucket list? Leaving the map at home and completely losing yourself somewhere. Two words, beer spa. Experiencing <laughs> a totally new culture. Scuba diving. Attending what? a major fashion week. Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, we're getting immersed in a new culture. Okay, perfect. Uh in school, you got in trouble for getting caught texting, being too high energy, daydreaming during a lecture, playing hooky, falling asleep during class after staying up the night before. Daydreaming. Okay. We, we didn't have phones when I was in school. I, I was like, eh, <laughs> I'm school. over here. here. Yeah. yeah. In your yeah. friend in your friend group, you are the unique do-your-own-thing friend, the wild, spontaneous friend, the quiet, loving friend, the chill, welcoming friend. The trendy, funny friend. Well, I mean, I'd like to think I'm all of them, but um, maybe quiet, loving friend. Yeah, there we go. Your greatest strength, approachability. I'm easy to get along with and open to everyone. Insightfulness. I keep up with what's happening in the world and with those I love. Optimism. I see the good in everything. (laughs) Independence. I'm confident even when I'm on my own. And fearlessness. I'm not afraid to take risks. So approachability, yeah. insightfulness, optimism, independence, fearlessness. I was, I, I'm, I'm torn. All right, I'm gonna ask Pat. I'm gonna call in Pat. Okay, phone a friend. I would like to think I'm either one or two. What do you think? Am I appro- It's my approachability or my insightfulness. Oh, I'd say you're hot. Well, uh, you know what? I'll give you insightfulness uh, over approachability because I find you very approachable, but. Uh, maybe maybe you've got a bit of a mean mug, you know. I mean, I do have a mug. My face is a mug. This would be described as a mug. <laughs> I think I think you're very very much both of those, but you know, e- either of them is strong. So insightfulness. <laughs> All right, and people go to you when they need a fun night out, comfort in a listening ear, an adventure buddy, a restaurant a restaurant recommendation, outfit help. Is this an eHarmony Shh. thing? What is going on right now? Stop what was the last one, Bob? Outfit help. Well, number one, I'm colorblind, so yeah. I wear black and blue almost exclusively. So I'm not good for that. That's out. Okay. I, I eat at like three restaurants, so I'm not good okay. for that. Um, Adventure buddy, comfort and listening ear, or a fun night out. Um, between Adventure Buddy and you know what? It's again, I'm torn because I feel like. Do you want me to go in on these, or just guess, or just say my either? Go, go in, go in. After being like a probably being a shithead on tour to my fellow bandmates for years i've learned how to travel with people 
Mm-hmm. So like I've kind of gotten that all out of my system. And oh, you yeah. know, like as much as I'd like to blame them, there's a reason why I've been kicked out of both bands I started. So like I did something. Like it wasn't like I just happened to be around, you know, in the wrong place, okay. wrong time. Um, but I think I've learned how to be so I'm like a good adventure buddy. I'm like down Let's for whatever. Do Fuck yeah. I think um, yeah, I think that's largely yeah. true. Both me and Pat or, com- or a comfortable that. listener. Like I, I think I'm a good listener. What are you gonna give him, Pat? Comfort and listening ear or adventure buddy? I'd say he's an exceptional listener. I'm giving him that one. Wow. Look at Pat. Pat actually knows me better than there I thought. There we he go. Did. All right. <clears throat> Tom, That's- you're going to Venice. You're a dreamer. You love romance, and you deserve to take time strolling through a new destination. <laughs> Escape to Venice for a calming va- vacation where you can admire the architecture at Doge's Palace and take a classic gondola ride through the Grand Doge. Canal. Yeah, Dogecoin. Dogecoin <laughs> Palace. <The> and <laughs> take a classic gondola ride through the Grand Canal. Um, so this is this is where you're going. Venice, anybody has any other recommendations for Tom's vacation? Hit us up. Can I be a spoiler? Please. I've been to Venice. Did you like it? On tour. Yeah, it's beautiful. It smells. <laughs> the canal smell. I wonder if they've gotten any better. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, this is 1997, so I mean, who the fuck knows? But like, we got there. It was like kind of like, I don't know if it is. It, can it be high tide? I guess so. So it was like kind of like up to like the sidewalks. Mm-hmm. Smells a little funky. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't like, know. Kind of like a, like a Raritan River funky. Oh, that's not great. Um, yeah. I don't know if they've beautiful, done any. Beautiful. I don't know if they've done any remediation. Uh, if we do have any Venetian listeners, please let us know. That is a fantastic pivot point. But let's pause it because you had a question for Patrick before we get into the meat of the episode today. I wanted to follow up because a few people had some questions slash issues with our Joe Budden discussion last week. Mm-hmm. Here's the biggest issue, and I tend mm-hmm. to agree. We were talking about it like we knew him. <laughs> and we were like tap dancing around. The, like we were like, you know, I, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say because – Joe told me in comedy. Yeah, I mean, is this where we reveal that we're a Joe Budden spinoff podcast? Or that's, that's what it felt like. And like, I was like, yeah, you're totally right. Because I was like, I didn't totally get what was happening because we were kind of like the way you were describing it. It was as if Eric told you like a beef that he had with two other people that we knew. And you're like, oh, I don't know what I'm allowed to say in public. Oh, you know shit. what, Tom? You know, you, yeah. you know what that's about is I, I, I did that whole rambling preamble where I explained that I had seen people talk about a stranger online just hours before in a way that like no exaggeration i'm not easy to upset and i was fucking it made me really upset uh and i was not trying to i'm trying to avoid that energy at all costs which by the way this goes out to the motherfucker who misrepresented me in the discord i'll fucking kill you so uh it's it's kind of like i don't (laughs) what discord i don't uh, so are you carrying your beef over from fucking worst possible timeline to here no, no, no. I got in, a, I got in, I didn't consider it a fight at all. I, I got in a tiny Twitter thing with somebody who said something foolish by any standard, provably just wrong. And I gently said, well, yeah, man, you can think that, but like, you know, there's X amount of data to support the opposite. So it is what it is. And then he wouldn't let it go. And then because I'm having this, because I'm a mega star and shit, then, then fucking people that like what I do start ganging up on him a little bit. And then I feel like I have to start sucking his dick because you don't, don't want him getting ganged I on. Yep. Be, I don't ever want to be the gang on like ever, ever. So I start sucking his dick and I'm trying to be accommodating on a thing where he's wrong. 
And then I find out months later, maybe a year later, that the way that the fucking tele- telephone game is gone, he's misrepresented misrepresented me so thoroughly that when I figure out who he is, because <laughs> I've completely forgotten, <laughs> I'm going to be big fucking mad, and he's going to get a nasty at on his Twitter because it, it is fucking crazy how. By the way, this is all comic book beef for anybody that's like, ooh, what is yeah. this serious juice? <laughs> it's comic yes. book beef. But I I seriously was like, yo, that's not what I said even remotely. In fact, I extrapolated I I extra- extrapolated this gen- gentleman's dong and fucking filleted it so that people that like me wouldn't fucking gang up. Like, next time, I'm just going to let the gang up happen, you dumb fucking... So, it's... Point <laughs> point is i'm sick of i hate being misrepresented mm, the worst and i hate what i hate watching somebody else be misrepresented so we are careful on this podcast when we're talking about hardcore figures some of whom fucking suck mm-hmm. we're careful to only say things that are true and or to to really make it clear Hey, I'm saying this without judgment and I don't know that it's true except, but you know, it just a thing that's said. And I want to carry that energy for even dudes making three quarters of a million dollars doing a podcast about rap. You know what I mean? So th- that's all that was. So to answer your friends, I'm just trying to get out of the energy of talking greasy on people. I don't know. And potentially right, right. misrepresenting it. All right, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, it sounds crazy. It sounds like the more I did a lot of research. Now all my YouTube things are things like academic had this to say about you know <laughs> Joe Button <laughs> and Rory are going to therapy together, like that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yo, you know so what? The whole beef was Bob. Yes, please. So like, Joe Button is like very loud and kind. Of, it's I mean his podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like so, one of the dudes is like his old friend. It's the equivalent. You know what this is? Say like say. Pat's Joe Button, mm-hmm. you're his buddy Mal, okay. and I'm Rory, which is funny because he's the young guy, okay. right? So like Pat is always like fucking with Rory. Like Pat's always fucking with me, and I go, "Yo, we're gonna fight, we're gonna fight, we're gonna fight." And then Pat goes, "Hey man, like I don't really talk about fighting with my friends like as a joke. Like that's not a joke to me." Right? And I respond to him going, "Well, maybe we're not friends." Oh, that's what happened in this. That he was kind yeah. of like <laughs> Joe Button was like assuming that at some point like Rory was just gonna be like, "Fuck it." And like punch him on the air. Weird. I mean, for good reason. Joe had been sunning him for a long time. For like, I mean, that's his role. I, I I know, but like, you can listen. You know what I'm saying? He's a young, like, redheaded dude on a rap show. I know, but but listen, Tom. W- none of us on this podcast are perfect, and we misread each other's energy on occasion, and occasionally get hot with each other. That's However, right. when I sense one of you guys getting hot. I don't like it's not I mean and this is a disposition thing but it, it's okay this gentleman needs space he doesn't need to be challenged on every word coming out of his mouth but Joe thought it was either good radio or he is just too high on himself to realize hey man it's going to be real embarrassing for you if your co-host punches you dead in your fucking face right i mean and this you know is I mean? a dude that so, like like 
you know, is always about like mental health and taking care of people. And like, he doesn't really, and he also refers to himself in the third person all the time. So like that dude is so up his own ass that he probably didn't see how disrespectful he was being. And all that's left yeah. in, in, in kind of unity with Rory. Cause Joe Budden oh, was wow. like, take a couple of weeks off, man. Like let's, you know, maybe you need a break. And Ma's like, man, you can't tell him he needs to take a break. Well, if he's leaving, I'm leaving. And he left him. Good move by Maul. Yeah. Yeah. But every, I mean, Solidarity they're not back yet. And they've recorded like three or four episodes since this. <sighs> Come on. Yeah, so so Joe knows he's the star. And that's the big issue is that he kind of is. He's misusing his spot. And even even if it's his role to play and he's doing it at some point, if, if you, you know, if you're poking and poking and poking and poking and they finally come back it's sort of like yo like realize you did a lot of poking and letting that happen you know like yeah yeah i mean he's definitely yeah. the most famous of the three it's not the same without those other two dudes i've listened it's not, not good. it's not, not there's no vibe it's just shitty and like people were pointing out to him directly it was like no you fuck up everything you have like everything positive yeah, but- in your life you fuck around with and break it yeah. Okay, so Tom, Tom, check this out. This is the comparison I would make. Um, every tour that I that that booking agents put together for my bands, there's the question. They not every booking agent says this directly, but this is the implication always. You want a hot tour or a tour where you get paid? You know what I mean? Like that. That's what it ultimately comes down to. Because if you want a hot tour, you've got to pay for support. You've got to make everybody happy. And there's a lot of bands, we've talked about this, good bands, who have headlined themselves into the grave and they have tried to cheap out in places where they shouldn't have. And having witnessed that and thinking that art is a marathon, not a, not a uh, sprint, I think it is always better. And Joe, listen, Joe's got multiple kids. He's got multiple baby mamas. He, he maybe he yes, yeah, he's got two kids. Know, maybe, he's got a, like an adult kid and a baby. Yeah, so maybe he's got responsibilities that I can't understand. Blah 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 blah. But here's what I would say: It is better to make less money today with a ton of upward mobility than it is to max out your contract and have nowhere to go because you're on a shit team. You, do you know what I'm oh, saying? Absolutely. Like, it's just mm-hmm. better. And I mean, it's different than sports because sports, you could blow your knee out. Maybe you do have to take the fucking biggest, b- biggest offer in front of you. Francisco Lindor, please about, take that. <laughs> you heard when me. you're talking about building, thing, you know, it, it's like, uh, just uh, take the hit. It's like, uh, it's like I always say people got to People in the arts got to start looking at pizza parlors and say, yeah, they had to buy a cooler. It costs money. It's going to take time to get out from under that. Yeah, they had to buy a new oven. They had to get an oven fixed. Yeah, they had to do this. Yeah, they had to do that. And before you start, you're deep in the hole, and now you got to crawl out from under that. But if you didn't buy a cooler, you're not making money on drinks. You know what I mean? And it's like, and people's overall experience there sucks. They're drinking tap water. So it's like, I don't know. I think, look, I don't know just numbers and all that shit, but I'm just saying, like, it's weird to me that even a star, doesn't say, yeah, but the ups, it, I'm a selfish fuck, but the upside here is better. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah, you need to have, you know, that's why every NBA team, if you're going anywhere, you got three players. Mm-hmm. There's very rarely, a, a, there's not a Kobe or a LeBron that can do it on their own. That's right. Right. You need three superstars. But it's it's actually, it's super interesting. And it's just, but like, I feel like 
what the stuff they got going now is is pretty rough to listen to, man. Yeah, it's hurt. And like he's only damaging his own brand. Yep. So yeah. Don't don't do it. Guys. You got questions? Well, first we gotta jump in the time machine. Ready for the time machine? Mm. I'm ready. I don't know how they found us, but they found us. (laughs) (laughs) The Libyans. Sorry. That couldn't happen in twenty twenty one. True. True. Uh, would we no? I think we may be post picking the new enemy. You know what I mean? Like, like they just kept swinging. It would around be the Republicans. Using, oh, right. Yeah, they'd Probably. be the yeah, like uh, the Peace Warriors, uh, and then yeah, small militia group. Um, yo, <laughs> yo, the hardcore questions. People, a weird thing. People just like when we talk about hardcore guys. Uh, so we're gonna run it back. We did hardcore questions last week. We're doing hardcore questions this week, except. Hardcore questions of the '90s. We're gonna just do '90s type shit, guys. Let's let's get it. Who wants to start? One, two. How, how many are we looking to do? Because I I went We're on a- three, four, five, whatever. I've got a handful, and some are longer, some are quick, boys. Why don't I start us off? Yes. Go in. All right. Last week we did fuck Mary Kill FMK DRI suicidal. And COC. It was really heartbreaking yeah. for me. But we're in the 90s. Fuck, Mary kill. Snapcase, strife, or unbroken. I changed it up at the end there. Ooh. Mm-hmm. You go for the big three. I, I, I left Earth Crisis off because I knew that it, for at least one of the two of you, that was really easy. So, uh, fuck, Mary kill. Strife, snapcase, unbroken. Fuck, strife. Don't don't isolate that. Yep. Yeah. 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 You, you want you want to intercourse strife. Yep. I, yes. Um, marry unbroken. Kill snapcase. Mm. Patrick. I'm going to f- fuck unbroken. Marry snapcase. Kill strife. Wow. Okay. What do you got, Bob? <laughs> kill them uh, all. Yeah, I know. Um. <laughs> I get of those three snap cases probably at the bottom for me. So it's Rob. I, 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 geez. Um, it's not fair. I'm not a fan of these bands at large, but I guess it's going to be Mary unbroken and F strife. So, um, few tracks by both those bands, I guess. And, uh, and snap has a couple tracks too. And to be honest, damn, If I th- all right, it, we'll put this. This will be a homework assignment of mine. Is I'll answer this on a Patreon where I actually go through and listen a little bit, um, because right. Snapcase has a chance to go from being killed to being married. If I if I listen to those the last Snapcase LP enough and go, yeah, all right, this is cool. Um, Patrick, you're up. Okay, first let me say because uh, I totally forgot about this. Um, just because you said the last one and you're not going to like the last Snapcase record, but well, I mean the second last, uh, whatever it is. So, uh, the last cave-in record, Mm. which I had not listened to until this past week. It's good. (laughs) It's it's really, I don't want to say shockingly good because they're a good band, but I mean, I did not expect it to be as good as it is. Is that the, you mean the posthumous one? Yes. With Nate playing bass, yeah, or I think oh, I Caleb out. was on some of it. Yes, so the, I, my understanding is that they they beefed up some demo tracks uh, 
and then added some new material. And it is, and when you hear it, when you just hear that as like a thing, that doesn't sound very sexy, except it's, it's work that Caleb was, that we hadn't heard. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Caleb yeah. Was on. All right. So, so, so this is the final transmission record. That's and, right. And the last record before that, like proper full length was white silence. That sounds right. Which like stone to stone, like that's a pretty good record as like perfect pitch black has a couple parts that lose me. Uh, antenna. I'm not in like I am for Jupiter, but, but like, Caven's discography, especially post Jupiter, largely is pretty good to me. Like, like it goes from pretty good to very good. So, I was uh, for any of our listeners that haven't checked it out, it's just very much worth checking out. Uh, it took me uh, by surprise. Nineties, nineties, nineties. Okay, nineties question. Uh, what eighties bands? made it out of the nineties with their dignity intact. What eighties bands made it out of the nineties with their dignity intact. Gorilla biscuits. Do you mean bands who were active in the nineties? Okay. So (laughs) I think Tom's going to be, Tom's going to be safe to take (laughs) bands that were on a 10 year hiatus. Um, So then with that in mind, um, that started in the eighties and lasted, and then were the active 90s. throughout the nineties and made yes. it out to the other side. Yes. Okay, okay. Because then I mean, obviously like the follow up. I, I, the, all right, I mean, it all. <laughs> yep. I'll give DRI. Sure. Oh wow! I think DRI stayed. You know, they might not. It might not have all been hits, but when you go see DRI, <laughs> they put on a fucking killer show, and you know, uh, I think they held it together. Um, Shelter? <sighs> oh, good question. Uh, when did Shelter start, though? Late, like, like eighty nine, yeah, eighty nine, ninety. I, I think, I think that Shelter. Oh, you're you're wondering if they started in the eighties. Is that right? Let's go. Yeah, I think they started what, in the eighties. Let's just take a quick look here. I'm saying um, they started eighty eight, eighty nine. Record comes out in ninety. You could eighty nine. They might have. You know but, what? The very first record isn't till ninety. Hmm. Right. But, so but they, they were in existence beforehand. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but you, but but that's not the spirit of my question. The spirit of my question is bands that we know from the yeah. 80s that that made it. All right. I think 90s. I think AF made it. F- yeah. Like it through the 90s. Now they had their inactive period, but they came back in the late 90s. And uh, while none of that material is my favorite of theirs, that's because they hit some pretty big heights in the 80s. So, uh, and and if I'm being really honest, the AF records that I think really kind of uh, fell off aren't till post 2000. So, AF, there you go. Um, uh, COC, but yeah, I don't I know. I was gonna say Slayer, but I don't know if we're counting that. Oh, you like metal stuff? Um, there's see, so the dignity part is tough, right? Um, yeah, no shit, <laughs> it's a fucking really hard part. Yeah, I think that there's what about like Punk and Chase? Yeah, okay, let's go punk. Yeah, hit me with one. Uh, here's here's one. Well, there's here's here's three here's two at least. Um Sam I am. Okay. Yeah. Um uh what was the other band I was thinking? Oh, Lemonheads. Uh d- d- uh did they fall apart in the nineties though? Or I guess it doesn't matter as long as they didn't do anything embarrassing. Um I mean I think they, they cleared it, yeah. 
by the way, I, I never seen this record. Um, I'm, I just went to, I went to look at the Slapshot discography to see if I would file them, but I, I actually filed them in the same category as shelter, which is like, they're not, they started in the eighties, no doubt, yeah. but the majority of their releases were like, they didn't really, I mean, they, they're, it's hard to call them an eighties band, even though they were, right. you know? Yeah. And, uh, I never saw the album cover bloodbath in Germany. That is a fantastic album cover. I, I love it. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have discogs in front of you, no. but check out blood bloodbath in Germany when you get a blood chance in Germany. Okay. All right. Um, is that the apology video? <laughs> um, wow. When my father was incarcerated, uh, he would, Higher, he'd write the like, he'd write the choke. He'd write the choke. They talk about Bob Cousy all the time. He would hire uh, prison artists. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, to, yeah. For, for gifts for you know for my brother and 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 things like that. And uh, it's 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 the type of like it, this this bloodbath in Germany reminds me of prison art, and it's great. All right. Um, but I got an answer for you. Fugazi. Yeah. Oh, yep, they, we have a winner. Okay. Yeah. They might I mean, be number one because I don't think their rock got shooked at all. Um, and you know what? That actually pivots. Let me, let me pull something off while we're, we're talking here. Did Slapshot maintain their dignity through the nineties, Patrick? Okay. Okay. Well, check it out. So I was going by step on it, which I knew was late eighties. So I didn't want to give it to him, but that, yeah. Yes, but back on the map 86, was eighty six. Yeah. So th- I'm giving I'm giving them eighties band for sure. For sure no now. question. That and uh, it's hard to me. They maintained their integrity because uh, yes, blast furnace is maybe in many people's view a step in the wrong direction, and unconsciousness is going to lose a lot of people. But uh, sixteen valve hate, I think in retrospect, fucking rules, and I think most people understand that, and. Then they kind of were on an extended hiatus, I believe. Yeah. So uh, it, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I think that, whatever. I, uh, old-time hardcore. Uh, but it, it, I, I think I they think did they, well with a few of those albums. I don't... <sighs> so here's where we can get to Slapshot stuff. Slapshot stopped playing in the U.S. a lot uh, by the yeah. late 90s. They're still here and there, you know. Uh, but some of their... Uh, you know, strife with other locations made it difficult for them to play out sometimes. Sure. And I don't know if that, does that count? They got, I mean, I don't know if you guys remember this, but they had a huge stigma to them because they only would go and play to Europe. And that at the time was really kind of like, oh yeah, they just, they just play Europe, whatever, you know, in a way that isn't now. Like we don't really... I was just going to say, let's briefly talk yeah, about this. Is that. a very '90s thing. So, yes. So everybody there, and our European listeners are going to recognize this through a completely different lens. Uh, there was an era where it was kind of gauche to be the band that plays Europe all the time. Like it, it's cool. Everybody acknowledges it's cool. If you're particularly, a lot of these '80s dudes are fringe characters from rough upbringings. And the fact that they even got to take a dump in a squat in Belgium, it was a major accomplishment for some of these fellas. So like, let's not shit on it, but 
it got to be kind of like, oh, you go where the money yep. is. And that was like a weird vibe that a lot of people felt negative about. Yep. The world has changed a lot. <laughs> yes, it has. <laughs> and, and first and foremost, we acknowledge that uh, Slapshot can play wherever the fuck they're getting offers. Yep. You know what I mean? And if that's and if that's Europe, that's Europe. Bless up on that. Uh, exactly. And uh, I think that I don't know. Tell me if I'm wrong. I think that the, and we've talked about touring a lot on this podcast, but I, I, if I think, I think the stigma of go, uh, I don't think you have to bang your head against a wall for a decade in the way that people insisted that you did previously. So yes, that's a, it's just a fascinating turn. Um, but yeah, Slapshot was the band that played the, the East pack resistance tour uh, every every european like you know every time every time it played it play, like you know like uh were they uh, i don't want to talk out of turn over uh, but they, they uh they played in germany a lot they played in germany a yes. lot um tom who who's the who's the, uh, there's avocado and then there's uh who, who are the fellows that did all, all the new york hardcore stuff for a long oh, time mad um, mad mad yeah thank you thank you um mark and ute yeah uh, so shout out to shout out to both those organizations. Uh, and, uh, yeah, there was kind of like, it was, it was in retrospect, man, it was really corny. It was really corny to like, have this like negativity right. about, about dudes going where they were getting. Yo, offers. And, and you look at it and you think about it, especially that like <clears throat> Europe is the same amount of miles away as it was in the nineties. But yep. yo, it felt a lot further away. And if I just kept getting offers to go over there once a year with my band that maybe wasn't as active as we were at a different point for whatever reasons, that might be on my priority list. Like, oh, cool. Yeah, I would love to go there for two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is, and it's going to be paid for and I'm going to come back. And the fact that there was a problem with it sort of betrays how up our own butts everyone was into hardcore in the 90s <laughs> that it just kind of became this smell that everybody was okay with like like i think a time traveler would hear that and be like yeah but they just go to europe once a year they're not even like a real band anymore what, what do you what do you mean do they not play some well they still put out records sometimes oh they just don't play enough for your liking but they do go to, yeah. it's it's fucking wild um so to connect to Fugazi as being a band with a lot of integrity, uh, one of our homies, integrity. yeah, one of our buddies, Dan, hit us with this last week that I thought was really good. It's a it's a clipping. I thought it might be from Fugazi's Wikipedia because it's got noting like that, but maybe it's from something else. Uh, but this is an interesting clip. By the time the In on the Killtaker tour was underway, the group began to sell out large auditoriums and arenas, as well as receive more lucrative major label offers. During the band's sold-out three-night stint at New York City's Roseland Ballroom in September 1993, music mogul and Atlantic Records president Amit Ertegen met with the band backstage in an attempt to sign them. Ertegen offered them the band, quote, anything you want, want, unquote, their own subsidiary label and more than $10 million just to sign with Atlantic. Fugazi declined the offer. Love it. Uh, the question posed from there was, you guys like doing the what-if scenarios. What if Fugazi had taken the 10 mil, 
also do you reckon they've made 10 mil between them since then? Uh, not to get it. Yes. You think so? Yes. 10. That's a one zero 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 zero. And the and that's since eight, is that, 27 is that years ago? Figures? Since 93. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, guys. So that's two and a half million dollars each. Person. Two and a half million dollars each. In Would the last 27 years? Well, I mean, are we talking about, you know, the dude who went on to have a day job? Like, if we do that, yeah. I mean, you know, 20 no, years times 40K, did. you know. Yeah, I don't know if any of them actually did, though. I yeah, feel I like Joe Lally's still like, you know. Joe Lally's doing know. bass lessons right now on Instagram. I did see that. Yeah. So. But even two and a half million dollars is nothing. So what's yeah, so, look? No, two and a half million over 27 years, you know. I think this yeah, right. Well, I mean, that's that's quite the difference. Well, let's hold on. Let's just look at it. Let's count other people's pockets for a second. Um, two and a half million over twenty some odd years is not a lot of money. No, two and a half million in your hand is a ton of money. Yes, right. and it's fair to assume they wouldn't have made much more than that because they would have have had to recoup that, right? Well. Well, well, correct. Yes and no, because who knows about? I don't think they were getting hit with like three sixty deals in ninety three. They're they're still getting all their tour their tour money and whatever. Uh, so mm-hmm. here, That's this true. breaks down to ninety two thousand ninety two thousand five hundred ninety two thousand five hundred dollars a year for each member, average for the past twenty seven years to hit ten million. Not bad. Not, no, no, not bad at all. So anyways, we'll stop counting Fugazi's pockets and just say they were a very successful band who literally never uh, receded on their belief set for success or otherwise. Yeah. I mean, I can't ass. say I mean, that's fucking incredible. I mean, how many bands would be shown 10 million like in 1993? So like. Bob, if you want to, like, there's like that inflation calculator. Sure, let me pull it like, up. What $10 million in 93 means in 2021 money? Yep. It's probably 25,000, 25 million or something. Let's say but $10 like, million dollars in 1993. Um, it is uh, converted to 17. Uh, 18.2 million. Right. Yeah. To be able to look that in the face and be like, eh. I'm going to play these. You know, they saw, all right. So they sold out Roseland three nights, right? Um, that's, I mean, in New York, that's 10,000 people. Yeah. Those tickets were six bucks. <laughs> yep. So you so just do the math uh, on that. Six times 10, 60, 60 for the three. No. Right? Oh, right. right. No, it's $10,000 for the three. I mean, 10,000 people because it's 3,500. Oh, okay. 10,000. So it's 60,000. Yeah. Right. So after, I mean, and there's expenses to like, on, you know, yeah. Like what? Like $15,000 a show. For the three so, shows, um, yeah, for that three night stand, yeah. they're probably, uh, I, I would probably put them in at having, and because they were Fugazi, they also were pretty, they were able to negotiate from a point of strength to venues in a like, hey, this is what's fair. Here's what we get. Here's what you get. I mean, if they definitely did percentage. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't want that we'll take our show elsewhere um especially right. by that no, point yeah so there were no um, venues around that size though back then no pat have you seen instrument i mean obviously right uh, not for 20 years but yeah yeah same it, the famous probably the most famous scene in that movie is when ian grabs the guy 
and puts him in a headlock and walks him out the side door and gives him gives him an envelope. Yes, that's Roseland. Okay, so five dollars and you're out. Let me that's that show. Let me give a shout out to the solidarity of this band because it does not shock me that a man could say no to that amount of money. I'm shocked. I know very few of our listeners will. I know very few of our listeners will believe this, but if if it's not right, I would say no. But I get off on being incredibly. If Patrick said no to ten million in twenty twenty money, I'd I'd stab him in the arm with the pen and then take the the pen that's sticking through his hand and have him sign the contract. I mean, you got to think. It's not like you know. Clearly, they didn't. Well, maybe maybe this is an assumption, but they didn't really hold any ill will towards Ian for being like the person who turned it down. So they obviously were all right. on the same page. Cause no, you could they be were like, all on the same page. you know, like fucking what's his name? Uh, Brandon, Brandon McCanthy would be like, motherfucker. I could have used that money. He would have quit in the interim. The solid, the solidarity so, so, so there Tom, is that, so amazing. Cause it's just, yeah. it's, it's like full commitment from all members that what we're doing and the way we're doing it is the way we want to do it and the way we will do it. Yes, that's what I'm saying. The really solidarity cool. is it's extreme incredible. because yeah. you would think that the resentment would creep up very quickly. Like I can say that in like in drug church, for example, if I like the days that I made their life really difficult of being like, I'm not I don't want to sign this contract. One of my bandmates was sick in bed for two days, like because I was blowing a nice opportunity for him. Right. So like that's, and that's not like life changing imagine- opportunity. Yeah, right. And if you can imagine if the offer was in the millions, <laughs> like, like network he, again he, money, you would kill me. Um, yeah, I mean, if we okay, got offered like a million dollars for the podcast and Pat was like, eh, like we would just, we'd probably yeah. murder you and find yeah, someone be- talented enough to just use your diatribes after la- over the last three years. To cut him up, right? Like, and we would, I would just have a soundboard and be like, "Well, actually, well, actually," and just fucking, we, we would, we would be bringing John Joseph and I are biking by the we'd hospital. Bring together. Eric in so, because between worst possible and and Axagram, we have enough words of yours to kind of form whatever, and we can create, we can have an algorithm bot, Patrick. Yeah, yeah. So wait, so watch your piece of cues because we will kill you, uh, uh, fellas. Let me jump ahead on the question because this one needs the, the, the inverse answer. Go. Who didn't make it out? Okay. Um, well, so it's... That's mean. Suicidal tendencies didn't make it. Suicidal okay. did not make it out. They had some pretty did pretty we- bummer records towards the end of the 80s and their early 90s stuff wasn't fantastic. Uh, free- no, and the night... No. Early '90s shit was good. It was still through like Lights Camera Revolution. After no, that, it got I, it, that's what I'm talking about. It was right after that. Okay. Um, then it got terrible and they got funky. Well, and and they come, they try to come back with the 2000 record. I believe it's 2000. Might even be 99. It's free dumb. Um, mm. And it's just like it's just like uh, free dumb's 99. Yeah, free dumb is like weak sauce <laughs> suicidal. Yeah. I, I had a still psycho after all these years T-shirt, Japanese tour shirt, maybe. Um, which is re-recordings, I think, or maybe it's just the best of. But it was really funny. There, I think it was both, like yeah. a best of, and it was all re-recorded. Um, suicidal of- for life. Ooh, yeah, this gets weird. Yeah, suicidal for life is rough. Uh, clearly defined as funk metal, heavy metal. Um, though I haven't listened to it in a long time, I am curious about the three-song block. Don't give a fuck. No fucking problem. Yeah, Suicide no psycho motherfucker. Problem. Fucked up just right. So four <laughs> songs straight with F words. 
sorry nate um but yes that's a that's a rough one um oh, so yeah, I gotta, yeah. the art of rebellions not great that's 92 lights camera revolutions 90 90 yeah so so they then the records post 2000 get get bad because yeah, then infectious grooves kind of there was like a crossover between Who those was, two bands yeah, was that that was the funk band they did i mean like a funky like a funky thrash band pretty much yeah with like it was like the same people but like yeah that's right um steven avery from jane's addiction played drums that's right i think um i think what uh what's his name bass player from that's a metallica uh tarulo Trujillo. Robert Trujillo, yeah. He was in it. You're Mike right. Muir was in it. And it was like it was it was what suicidal ended up becoming. Yes, you're right. Like in the whole like it's fast sometimes, but there's a lot of like, oh, bow, like yeah. fucking the, weird slap the bass band and shit. from Southern California that like I can only think of them as being Cypress Hill Smoke Out Festival rock band. Like um, they were like the the funk alt rock version of um the the aquabats uh because everyone had did time in this shit band um oh uh uh slightly stupid no, no not slightly it's stupid. in that uh, world cottonmouth kings cottonmouth no. King. yeah Cotton- yeah yeah oh, that, okay. that's that's i think it's like it, it's in that bad world um so suicidal did not make it out of the 90s no cottonmouth okay. kings also had a member of doggy style in the band by the way. that's right yeah. like one of the main people was yeah from the main, i think yeah um the main singer maybe or a second singer or guitar, the and and it, like yeah. there's an implication that doggy style sort of evolved into that kind of cottonmouth kings um, yeah so i'm trying to think of other examples so slapshot slapshot didn't slapshot made it through the 90s and if you actually look back the records they were putting out were still good enough or at least faithful that it wasn't like they went to, to their dignity was intact. Like we're not, we're not right. putting there, a high threshold. We're saying was their dignity intact? Yes, correct. And, and, and we're going to say that the, the, the records that they put out that like unconsciousness, nobody loves unconsciousness, but, uh, and a lot of people would say it's a step in the wrong direction, but then 16 valve hate came out and I think everybody would agree that that's good. So they made it here. It, firstly, I just want to direct everybody in our listenership to the cover Free Dumb. Yes, sir. Uh, by Suicide <laughs> Tendencies, which is arguably the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire yep. life. It's, and, the, it's the reason and, I refuse to buy it or own it ever in my life, even though oh, even though it. people I knew played it and had it. And I'm like, okay, this isn't like, this isn't terrible, but the record art was so bad. It's so bad. This is like yeah, Black Flag was, Reunion record bad. Yes. yes, that's exactly oh, the level. Oh, you know who it is. That's 100%. Um, fuck, why is it escaping me right now? Uh, not Dilbert. What's the... Um, it's Kathy. No, it's one of my... It's, it's <laughs> like that. Not No, it's um, the Penguin and the Cat. Bloom, Bloom County. County. That's what the art on this reminds me of with the big bulgy eyes. It's not that as, it's not as like edgy the, as Bloom County. Fuck. It also looks like the no whammies, the whammy from Press Your Luck. Yes. yes. Like no whammies, no whammies, no whammies. Stop. Oh. A sailboat. Yeah, like that's what it looks like. Okay. Now, I want you guys to answer. This is a complicated Yo, answer. We've gotten like one question in and we're like, yeah, Tom hasn't. Well, I gave one, then Patrick's given two, okay. and now here's his third, and then you get to do one, Tom. No, no, no. This is just, did they make it out? Yes okay. or no? Leeway. Tom, don't, Tom, don't, don't, Tom, don't speak with your heart. No, well, I mean, 
so it's hard to say because they never had anything into the aughts. That's right. Yeah. The last record they came out with was like ninety six or something. Yeah. Yeah, ninety five, I think. Oh, it yeah, might have been like Adult Crash ninety four, Open Mouth Kiss ninety five or ninety six, whatever yeah, it was, something like that. So like, mm-hmm. I mean, they came out with four LPs in eight years. Dignity intact. Right, but, did- um, but they had, they had, they had. Put, it's the kind of thing where you imagine your uncle who he showed up, came to the dinner, was wearing a tie and a jacket, and everything was good, and it was fine. And he showed up dinner looking nice, fine, dignity intact. Then he goes out by the barbecue grill, has a couple beers. Then he sees yeah. the younger guys playing basketball. He tries to play some basketball, getting all sweaty, wearing his shirt. And he comes back into dinner. His hair is messed up. He's a little drunk. And shit's just I don't think Leeway got there, but they maybe needed to go wash their hands before dinner. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they embarrass themselves nah. in any way. No. Nah. Here, here's maybe not. Uh, it's an artist, but not a band. Mm. Dave Smalley. Good uh, question. I think I think it was gone because he lasted the whole time. Yeah, down by law. So so we we've <laughs> this podcast has definitely talked about down by law more than anyone has listened to down by law in the past twenty years. Fact. Um, the first down by law record is good. The second one's okay, and then it starts declining to a point where which it one does. is Punk Rock Academy fight song? Because I, I feel like that record is all right. A lot of people ride for that. I, they lose me before then. Um, okay, the Down by Law records I can really go for. Let me pull these up, but um, I think he's done. I think he might have lost it. Um, well, okay, so Down by Law self title comes out in ninety one. Self titled right? is ninety one, uh, which I think is good. Uh, this blue is the second record. I like that. That's a 92. There might be an EP before self-titled. No, it's self-titled first. And then Punk Rock Academy Fight Songs was their biggest. But I Maybe think that's, yeah. that was their biggest that people liked, but then all scratched up, got a little poppier, Last of the Sharpshooters, Fly Fly. Like, this dude was prolific, yeah, but was. I am pretty out on every... Punk Rock Academy Fight Songs, the last one I was like, okay, like some songs... All Scratch Up lost me. Last of the Sharpshooters, I was totally out on. And Fly the Flag, I was super out on. But there were people who rode for this band. Like, this was a band who could do the small club tour circuit of the, like, 300 to 500 cap room format for the 90s. Oh, 100%. Which blows my mind. But, like, they... And there were times where they were headlining and probably doing pretty well with that, you know? I mean, he was he was a worker. There's no doubt. Yeah. He also might listen. I'm going to say this because I don't know Dave Smalley, and I don't think I have enough connections to him that I'm going to get my fucking side of my head rocked when I'm just walking into a venue. Is this guy technically crazy? No, not from what I've been so. told. No, just very conservative. Well, forget the forget his politics for a second. Although that could count if he was like ultra conservative. I you could convince me maybe he's crazy, but like the the he's just prolific to the point that it's, it's bordering seemingly on like, okay, let me say this. Is he one of these working musicians that is so obsessed with staying working that he, that he spent a decade and a half 
never not putting anything out. And that was the reason, or is he like kind of like a, like a driven by mania workhorse style guy? Or I think it was, I think it probably ended up being his occupation. Yeah. It is just what I do. Yeah. And, and just did it. And yeah, I mean, the band's popularity soon meant that Smalley took down by law on as a full-time career. And after replacing the members of the chemical people, because it was originally started as Dave Smalley with two of the dudes from chemical people. Right. Um, that, yeah, that's crazy. Really weird. Um, I wonder how much they were involved in the first two records. Cause I think they, I mean, this is a band who got in on, you know, like, okay, they're going to okay. do their own headlining mid-level tours, but they're also doing support for Pennywise. They're going to do yeah, they were early tours. They're gonna, yeah, they're going to do the the Millencon tours. They're doing all that shit. They're on 18 Bob, different look, skate look at videos, his from, you know? Look at his release from 2016. Yeah, it's not great. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time. A secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now at Evergreen and wherever you get your podcasts. It's 
acoustic arrangements of Dag Nasty and Down by Law material, as well as new songs and Irish folk yeah, music. Yeah, man, it's not good. You can't tell. Listen, I don't want to make fun of a crazy guy. You can't tell me this fucking well, crazy. Well, and he's yeah, done some I'm, hardcore bands in the last couple of years. The band Don't right, Sleep. Is he going for like the fucking Dropkick Murphys runoff? I don't he, know. I, uh, I, I, listen, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with being crazy. I'm not trying to make fun of anybody for being crazy, but this motherfucker might be crazy. That's I don't think so. I think it's just this is what he does, and he doesn't have the filter to realize, like, it's probably not the coolest thing anymore, but maybe he doesn't worry about being cool anymore. Yeah, that might be true. Check cool in DYS. That's all you needed. Check out the, yeah, the first true. Down by Law LP and check out Blue. I, I I really think those records, if you're into slightly popular stuff, but but those records aren't like pop punk. They're they're closer to Dag Nasty than, than you might right. give give them a chance for. Um, they're almost like set your goals to to grill to yeah. start today. Yeah, I of think like that's, that's reasonable. You know I mean? that's, like, that's a really good comp, actually. What about bad brands? Where do they fit on this? I think I was thinking about them, Tom. I think they rebounded a little bit because at the end of the '90s they do the Soul Brains reunion with HR. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like I think if they had, and there's people who are okay with Rise. Yeah, yeah Rise, and there's people Rise who are okay with um, God of Love. So right, so I think this build a nation was in the in there was maybe oh one maybe somewhere right there. No, I, I think it's later than that. I think it's mid two thousand. Yeah, I feel like they've come out with a record in the last ten years. Oh, they, they came out with one very recently. Um, their their discography is pretty wild. They, they're and I'll be really honest. Into the future came out in two thousand twelve. Build a nation's two thousand seven. Good call, Patrick. Um, no, you know what? The bad brains did fine. They rebounded. Part of it is they did that Black Dots record and the Omega yep. Sessions. So yeah. those in the late 90s help revive some energy. They reunite with HR, do the Soul Brains touring. Everybody was... And that God of Love record, 95, was on a major. Like They were doing some shit. And, and, and if you listen to God of Love, it's not embarrassing. And if you listen to Rise, it's not embarrassing. None of these records are embarrassing. No. It's just their live stuff and his like yeah. b- behavior live. I mean... God of Love, 95, like, they were primed to be, like, back and bigger than ever. They had a fucking arena tour. Yep. Set up with fucking Beastie Boys and shit. And they fucking first night. <sighs> Who told me? And I don't know. It might have been even on this podcast. But I was blown away that in, like, I, guess, I don't know if it was 86 or 87, they were asked to do the U2 tour. Wow. <laughs> they were supposed cool. to be on the fucking... Um, uh, what fucking record is that? What uh, the Joshua Tree album tour? <laughs> Damn! And like by then, uh, HR was going through it. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. But like yeah, like they were like I mean uh, Matt, I mean like Bono in 1987 knows who the fuck Bad Brains are. Well, and you they think about it, that's probably the perfect time. Yeah, oh, of course, yeah. You two's got history. Think about that's the perfect time to have the Bad Brains do it now. Now, will the U two sitting down in Red Rock's audience love every second of a bad brain set? I'm not sure. But I- 87 with with him in the fucking flannel being the coolest dude on fucking God's Green Earth? Maybe. Well, and think about it. That's eye against eye era. They're going to play 20 minutes of reggae, have these really energetic songs. They've got this great rhythm. I mean, who knows? That I mean, sign me up for a bad brains jo- uh, U2 tour, especially on Joshua Tree. Jesus. Could you imagine, like, uh, um, yeah, it, no, it's, there's a lab, um, uh, website clear, called Clairvoyant, uh-huh. and the 
um, that has uh, it's 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 actually from the HR book that Howie Abrams put together. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, uh, we examined Bad Brains' appearance at a former roller rink in 1987. And how they could have toured with you too. Wow. And there's a whole <laughs> story about damn. Yeah, like w- w- look at this show. This was 1018, which was like I think ended up becoming the Roxy for a while. Mm-hmm. This was I don't know which year this was. It was Monday, July 13th. Um, Leeway, Living Color, Circle Jerks, Bad Brains. The Born to Perspire tour. It's, uh, was that that tour? So that must have been 89? Yep, tour 89. So, yeah, that's... But Living Color and the Circle Jerks on the New York date. That's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, the, the, for some reason, I think those tours collided. Like Because if memory serves, either that same lineup... I don't think that same lineup played City Gardens together but but like it was like circle jerks one night bad brains the next night kind of thing so when they hit new york they combine um that's pretty wild Uh, so tom hit us with a new york with a not new york with a 90s question um i'm gonna get to a like a one that i was gonna wait for but Mm. but considering how this is going i might want to get the you you want to get the juice out first while i can i know we might have to do a part two at some point um yeah right so this may be a little this is not obscure but this was like something that was big at the time. Here's my question. Was the Cleveland One Life Crew riot video the first viral video? In hardcore. I guess, I mean, well, um, it's in hardcore may. Well, no. Okay. You know, it's funny. I th- there was a few other re- videos that might have been close. If it's if we're talking strictly online, maybe for sure because there's also the video that involves uh, Dwid on stage and a woman up front and members of bands and there being some uncouth treatment like spitting kind of stuff happening. That video also was like a make the rounds. Can you believe this is real? But I mean, this one live crew video made the rounds just like. Physically. Oh, you're right. Well, that's what I mean. Like, like, this was physical too. The, the, this wasn't. This is pre YouTube. Yeah, pre. Yeah, that it's it's close. I think that also circled around the time when the uh, pre Jackass Bam Margera videos were going around. I don't know if that was hitting you guys. You might have been a little older, but yeah. that stuff was. Yeah. I remember it being like, "Yo, he got those videos. Let's go watch it." And we would watch those. They were kind of like, but those were like CKY. Stuff, well, there no? was there was some of them. The earliest versions are basically like them with fucking camcorders. And, oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know if they were part of like the four one one stuff or whatever the fuck. No, yeah, like those different like professional skate videos. No, the, that it was it was kind of coincide. It was like ninety six. I want to say is when I saw that stuff. But maybe ninety seven. Yeah. I don't know. The one live crew thing was ninety five. Yeah, that's pretty early. I just, I mean, and I remember like that video, like Justin getting that video, and us all like, sitting around being like, "Holy shit!" Like the whole, you know, and you can watch that video seventeen times on YouTube. But at the time when you were like, it was like one of those things. It's like if you you'd hear about it, but if you weren't there, you'd never see it again. I've- and this was the first time that something happened that you heard about. And not just like there were like tape compilations that would go around yep. of like shows and stuff. But like it, imagine pre I mean, no, for I think most of the right. folks that are listening, it'll blow your mind. Like pre like Internet becoming like a huge thing. Imagine being like, yo, I heard there was a fight at the fucking blah, blah, blah show last night. Oh, that's crazy. And then like three months later, seeing a video of said fight. Yeah, no, you're like, what the fuck? You're not wrong. And there might be some other parallels, but this 
in the manner that you're speaking of it, because I feel like this is an incident where it's like, hey, there was a fight at this show. Someone filmed it. The next week, they dubbed it and sent it to three friends who then sent it to three friends. And all of a sudden, everybody was seeing this thing that happened really recently. So it was spreading virally, like like exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, right. I think, it wasn't immediate. It was like, but it, like but after it was, a while, as like, close it was, like, as it could be in thought. 1995, right? <laughs> right, right. So it was like a precursor. Like you'd have to actually physically put two, you know, two tapes in a VCR and fucking record it. You know what I mean? God, that was such a pain. And in it was ass. shocking to see. Like we we're like, yeah, what the fuck? Like that skinhead punched a woman. That fucking guy, you know, yeah. like. And then it was like the rumors on who the guy who's the person that started it. The rumor it was somebody that we know from Jersey. Yeah, that I don't know if that ever came was actually true. And we're you know, um, yeah. I think Pat, it's a can good you argument. think of, you're a little older than Bob mm-hmm. because you're Bob's twenty five and you're twenty seven. But that's correct. Can you think of like any other like viral videos from back then for hardcore? We'll say because I mean. Like, but I mean, I feel like from like I don't remember other, you know. Well, I guess the earliest viral videos are like Faces of Death or something. Mm, yeah. yeah, or like yeah, like yeah. the fucking Rob Lowe video or something. You know what I mean? Like, but we were all too I'm young. Really taking it back there. Um, so I don't know. I'm 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 thinking about this right now, and I'm also reading comments uh, on this video. Damnation AD addresses One Life Crew. Uh, and damnation live at Cleveland Fest, whatever. Um, it, it's uh, why is damnation the, the comment? I guess they said something um, good, uh, but uh, the comments are, are they are funny, but <laughs> well, I mean, it's funny 25 years later, uh, yeah. Well, like DNA, good job. <laughs> so, uh, okay, well, let's let's talk about this. Um, uh, uh Goddamn, when did, uh, okay. So videos as in not music. No, we're, we're, we're talking talking about, about and I think the way viral, viral moment goes and it's like within a recent amount of time it's spreading and you're seeing it on hard copy. Right. So think about like, all right. So the rumor being that like, you know, did you hear Ian McKay hit somebody with a, a hammer for blowing smoke in his face? And then, right. like three years <laughs> later, being like, "Here's the oh, video you know that what? shows Tom. it." Tom, of course, the um, uh, 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 uh the, the Syracuse, uh, not the Syracuse moment, the Earth Crisis moment, two different things. The Syracuse, I've never seen a video of, uh, th- but the the Earth Crisis yogurt uh, moment, uh, th- that whole this was before thing. that. Yeah, it's a couple years later. Yeah, yeah, then maybe right, maybe right. Were there and any- I only recently saw that yogurt thing. Were there any? I was there for it. Were there any Syracuse shows that had viral moments early? Because obviously later, you know, as you get into the early, the Syracuse fests and all that, all of a sudden the internet's coming around. You know, I don't know that like, if you're like the guy with the giant fucking, you know, camcorder on your shoulder, are you running out to the alley to see what's going on? It's easier to do with a fucking cell phone. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you have like a battery pack and no, like a fucking you're, book you're bag. Very and right. stuff like- you have to you you have to basically be the one panning, and it has to be happening there in that yeah. right. I mean, could you imagine like you know? The, oh, there's a fight in the alley, and you running out there, and some guy being like, "Yo, turn that shit off," and he'd be like, "Give me a moment," and you'd have to like unplug 17 different things rather than put your phone back in your fucking pocket. Yeah. I- Please hold. I, I hit the button. The light's still on. I'm sorry. It takes a while. Yeah. 
my father dropped it at my bottom. It's like, I, there's like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of things that like, so, so Tom, my memory, uh, I remember, sorry, this is really fucking old. Everybody, uh, Rick to life's distro used to have. A oh yeah, VHS. I did. <laughs> and, and, and I'm trying to think of what I bought and I can't remember any of it except that it all came in those like, like very shit. Oh, you know what I would call a viral video, honestly, even though it's full length. So nobody would call it that. Um, the shit out of the Northwest, uh, edge of quarrel. Uh, but that was like professionally would, made. Yeah, sure. But sort of. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying this is like viral video. It's like, you know, I happen to be ordering fucking chicken McNuggets and I was witness to a fucking beating at McDonald's. Yeah. Not like right. me and my friends got together and like you could buy it and it came in like a in a box and it had a cover. Yeah. All right. Then. then yeah. OK. I'll, I'll give it. I'll give it to it. Like I'm saying vir- viral how we think of viral videos in 2021. I, I got and you. not just I, like I, my friends made like a like a Friday the 13th fan film film. I, like, yes. Uh Sure. There are some I, good I, Friday the 13th I, fan films on YouTube if anyone's interested. Which, I believe that. I, I can I can think of no other, so I'm going to give it. Got it. All right. Winner. Now, let's do this. Um, do, do, do. I got more. Yeah, yeah. We, we're, we're, we're spinning around the, the circle here. Favorite. Pat yeah, I got, no, Pat, I got Pat will go before. one time after this. Um, favorite 90s revelation record. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> no, that's fucking tough, man. There's am I gonna have to look? Well, look. Well, are we counting the Let's are talk. We counting ninety? Well, that's that's the thing. I've that been. Is easy. It's well, right. Where, where do well, you go? Easier. Do you go inside out? Do you go burn? Yeah, inside out. I probably go inside. Yeah, out. Go. all right. But but doesn't that feel like the eighties bleeding into the nineties yeah. a bit? So that's yeah, one like of the, the things band that formed in eighty nine or whatever. Yeah, a um, lot of that stuff, and I mean, who knows? Some of that stuff could have been recorded, you know, spring ninety, fall eighty nine, whatever. Uh, there's the okay, era. Yeah, the, so you mean pro- you mean proper nineties records? Let's talk okay. proper nineties because right, this look, is this ex- this goes to all the stuff. While you guys are looking, I'll vamp. There's a whole thing of the very early nineties, ninety ninety one, ninety two, maybe, but but really ninety ninety one. Where there's still a lot of great hardcore, if you really like the late 80s, you really like 80s hardcore in general, ton of it right there that's happening. It just happened to fall after the the uh, threshold point of 90. Okay. Uh, firstly, can I just say shout out to uh, our listeners who hit me and said that uh, they had never listened to Sensefield before uh, we suggested oh, it. Oh, nice. And... Uh, I'm glad that some of you really enjoyed it because I'm looking at uh, Rev's uh, '90s output yeah. and Sensefield appears more than once. Yep. And uh, honestly, they'd be in contention. Holy shit! They've got three good records during the '90s on. Yeah, Rev, Rev put out most of the the Sensefield like. Catalog. Yeah, pretty much everything except for that yeah, last um, record, right? So, uh, so for me, I probably go um, into another. Seamless is right there for me, but I don't know if that would be there for either of you guys. Ignore us. Uh, ooh. No, because they, 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 they did the vinyl for Seamless. Are we counting? They did the vinyl for Seamless, so I'm counting it. I, right. I think okay. it has a catalog number, too, so fuck yeah. All right, that counts. If it has a catalog number, it counts. Um, well, then we can count Quicksand. And oh, okay. Yeah, All right, so let's, let's, let's step in. Then, then Ignore Us is certainly in contention. Um, and yeah, we're not going to count your goals. You're right. Okay. Um, ignore us is right there. 
Um, oh, Far Side Monroe Doctrine's big for me. Far Side uh, self titled Seven Inch is probably my favorite EP on Rev. Uh, I give a lot of weight. I think the In My Eyes records are both good. Um, the first In My Eyes LP for sure. Texas The Reason LP. Yep. So, so you guys, g- give me, give me your picks. My my pick is into another. Yep. Ignore us. You know what's weird? The Kill Holiday record's not on here. I Kill Holiday that. and I, is, is it ninety nine or two thousand? They're not on here at all. No, Kill Holiday has to be. It's um, I said ninety nine. It is ninety. It's not listed. I'm looking at the discography yeah, on discogs too. On here, we're Wikipedia. It's oh okay. It should be right around here. Oh, interesting. Here it is. It's um ninety nine. Somewhere between the wrong is right. Rev seventy seven. Right before uh, Judas Factor, Bell, it, yeah, you know Luchani. what? It's weird that gets skipped. Weird on the re- according to this, Rev sixty seven is in my eyes. The difference between oh Rev seventy seven is Kill Holiday. Oh seventy seven, yeah. it's not there at all. It, it skips from sixty eight Elliot U S songs to Rev eighty. In my eyes, nothing to hide. Yeah, someone has to. Anyway, update the regardless, wiki. come on, Rev. I'm gonna say I'm gonna go three because I can't. Or I'm gonna go four because I'm a pain in the ass. Do it. I'm gonna go ignore us. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go. Do you know who you are? Um. Uh, Texas Reason. Yep. I think that I love that record. I'm going to go Kill Holiday and I'm going to go She Loves Me, She Loves Me Not, Kiss a Goodbye. Mm, nice. Uh, Patrick? Oh, what year did what year did uh, that Kiss Goodbye record come out? 97. 97. Uh, th- that's it for me. Yep. Yeah, that is your favorite you reference. Any others you want to throw out there? Uh, I mean, Civ Vinyl, I guess, but also uh, pretty much all of these Sensefield yep. records are at least worth a, a, a look with my favorite, probably building uh, buildings. Yeah. Be I was it, just right? going to say building. building. Yeah. Building. Um, for me, it's going to be ignore us into another ignore us, uh, far side Monroe doctrine, nerve agents, self-titled 12 inch. Love Ooh. that record. Love. We're nerve agents nineties. Yeah. Oh yeah. First 12 inch came out. Ner- First nerve agents, 12 inch comes out in 98. God damn! I didn't realize mm-hmm. they were that old. Yeah, maybe. I figured they were still. He was still doing Redemption '87. No, it's funny because there's less of a gap than you'd think, but also Redemption kind of slowed down by then. I think the Nerve. I think the Redemption '87 LP comes out in '95, which feels almost yeah. unbelievably early. But um, I think they're doing. I feel like you can correct me if I'm wrong. Someone's like reissuing those Redemption records. Maybe, uh, maybe um, Blackout. Oh, so Redemption eighty seven. Like, the first record it's on New Age eighty ninety six is the first LP, and then uh, Blackout did All Guns Poolside, which is half a record, kind of. And then there's yeah, I mean, dude, that covers. the the New Age record is fucking incredible. It's incredible. I mean, yo, that that I'm going to put a pin in that, and uh, let's go to Patrick. Question for the nineties. Yes. Oh, you'd like me to ask you a question? Yes, sir. Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, what's had the longest tail? What persists? Uh, Record what band. Are we still see- yeah, come on, man. Uh, oh, sorry, fellas. Um, let's go. Uh, let's make it a little bit more complex. Let's go record. <sighs> record with the From longest the tail. Um, yeah. What? What has? What has the longest tail? What has the most unintended consequences? No. What do we still see? Has right, children, children all um, over? Yo, this ties Slip. in. I, the I think it's gotten more. F- fans than it has in a very very long time that's just grown and grown and grown how many quicksand wannabe bands are there there are some 
I but not know. many. It's I, a it's a small it's corner. It's hard to do. You they, could think they probably want to be doing it, but they're just not doing it well. Correct, correct. So there's not I don't think there's a bunch of children, for lack of a better term. Um for example, no comment downsided comes out in ninety two. That has a whole world dedicated to it, you know? The power violence world. Now they didn't start it, but they're cert- they certainly <laughs> innovated a genre that now has its own world. Um I mean, I think someone could argue that some of that screamo of the late '90s might have a, I mean, a spot. You know, yeah, Orchid has made you know bands that went on to be you know bigger than they ever were. Like they became like mainstream bands. Sure. Yeah. I, I, and I think this, this is you know what this ties into one of my questions, so I'm just going to jump on this. Do it. And here's Please. one that I think you wouldn't guess. But if you asked all the players, like throughout the the timeline, cave in until your heart stops. Had such a through line to like the biggest, the biggest like metalcore metal metal bands now. Sure, yeah. sure, that's true. Because if you asked that, like, and this is like, all right, I'm gonna be like my fucking like name drop, fucking you know, we would talk, you know, like so. Poison the Well would be like, yeah, like we went to see. Like all these, you know, named all the bands, and they're like, we wanted to, we stole everything from Caven. Every that that everyone took from Caven. Poison Well made it even bigger, and then Poison Well has, you know, has had more impact on the fucking motionless and white who have had impact on Knocked Loose, who have impact that like it's gone on for fucking twenty years. But like those fucking like rhythmic e chugs, yeah are straight from until your heart stops. Now, here's my question for you guys, because I, I think everything you said there seems very true. Is Shai Hulud the other side of the coin when it comes to that world where they had a huge influence? And I mean, we've talked about it before. They have yeah. a pretty big influence. I don't know if I'd say it's the same. It seems different, but it's musically, they yeah. had a huge impact so, on that world. Yes, th- they did. But, th- but th- their children are now pretty isolated. That like, There's a couple bands that do like a, like a real Shai Halud, thing, a real post Shai right. thing, but but there's only now just a few okay. of them. I mean, so they're like, all big, like the the set your uh, the, yeah. the, the the ghost inside stick to your guns. Counterparts, yeah, yeah, big bands for sure. Yep, no doubt. Um, but like, I yeah, they're doing the Shai Halud fucking like melodic screaming stuff. But I think like if you were just to like look at something that like like if if you played fucking Stephen Brodsky a fucking knocked loose record, it would not make sense to him. That he was somehow, you know, influential in that creation of that record. Yeah, it's, it's progenitor yeah. in some way. So yeah. now, you know, he would never know that it's like by you doing that and poison the well, loving what you did and doing that, and then so and so doing that, and then this doing that, and then like there's a through line through all of those bands. But like, you know, poison the well might be more cognizant of it because they played with more of the young those types of bands. Like I feel like Brodsky would like his fucking mind would be blown that he had anything to do with any of this. Yes. How about for a different corner of the world, his hero's gone? Uh you know what? I don't see as many children as I used no, to. No, I mean I think I, that's I it's, think- it's 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 at a it's lulled a bit for the last I don't know, six years, seven years. Gotta be. Yeah. But, but tragedy eclipsed them. 
tragedy eclipsed them, but we could we could say tragedy came from them. I mean, quite oh, literally, yeah, of right? Course, of course. But but well, who followed up on tragedy to be like the next? There was big none. Tragedy. There was none. There was there was a general seeping of that stuff, and that's why I went to his zero's gone because I think you can track stuff like cursed into his zero's gone. You could right. maybe can maybe track can some you other do stuff nails? like that. Can you do yep. black breath? Can you do? All pigs must die. Like, is that all like a pe- of- like pieces, pieces, right? Like, because yeah. if you actually listen to nails, you go, mm, not, not no. so much. It's not, you know, musically, it's a lot more in the grind world, kind of. Um, yeah, but but there's a harshness there, and I think their awareness kind of creates them. That's a good question because, and both of you kind of hit the same thing. Let me pivot it real quick here. Because I, I think this ties in and bows everything that we've just said. Um, is there a micro genre of hardcore that's overlooked from the 90s? And I say this because it almost feels like just about every corner of the room has, has their super fans. Exactly. Like, like I was saying, like yep. the super fast power violence type stuff has, a, has an altar. The screamo I stuff has an altar. The the youth crew the beat down stuff. Right, the beat down stuff has an altar. Like I mean there's people that there are bands and scenes and stuff that didn't like didn't make a ripple in the nineties that are bigger than they've ever been. One hundred percent. I mean and, and you yeah. can extend that. And I think just about every corner of the room has been kind of blown out. Patrick, what's your answer? Uh despite the people that were really excited when we talked about doing a nineties emo episode. I think that the the 90s emo thing, which was bigger than big when I was a kid, has dried up entirely. And that fan has aged and no new kid has come in to be the uh, Promise Ring fan. Well, I don't here, know Promise Ring fan. Here's my problem. Only with that thing. How many people do you know who... Here's my, no, here's my question with it. Yep. How many people do you know who love Jimmy Eat World? A trillion. Right. And and I know a lot of younger people who also love Jimmy Eat World. And that feels like the band who kind of took that and brought it mainstream. No doubt. And I think it essentially, it's sort of like the, uh, the, the firework that goes nuclear, you know, like there's a firework show, there's a bunch of stuff going off, but then there's the, the closing one. And it goes so bright and burns so bright that everybody sees it. And then you look away because you're like, all right, that was that was it. All right. So I think there's room for it. I think that there's a lot of those like the cavemen of that world, the dudes who are doing the cave drawings that instructed everyone else are probably getting lost. Like, I, I think there's probably people who are not loving up on the promise ring, Texas, the reason jets to Brazil, like, like, a lot of those but kind of bands. Like American football. Oh. American football is bigger now than they ever were. Captain totally. Jazz, bigger now than Run they ever were. Run for Cover came from that world. Like, I mean, uh, uh, Top Shelf. Top right? Shelf. Like, yeah. there's all these little labels that I think sprung up from that, that, that like, it just became its own world that's bigger. But even now, though, now, you know? Like, you would imagine, like, an American football show should be everyone, like, our age or older. No. Or thereabout. Right. But and, like, young. I know a ton of younger folks that are like, that's their fucking age of quarrel. Yep. For that style yeah, of music. That's no, true. so I, I. Which I would blew my mind. I was like, American. Are we the, ba- the band with the, the house on the cover? <laughs> yeah, the word Shocking. split. Like, yo, um, here's my thought for it. I just don't see a ton of younger bands 
who are very faithfully looking at that material. Does that make sense? Like, I'm not seeing a ton of bands who are verbalizing it, though. What's that? Or or aren't verbalizing it? For sure, that because I think it's I think it's uh, uh, it's also fucking weird. It's six it's six copies down. I think there's a lack of bands who are really going doing the no 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 that stuff's cool. We like Jimmy Eat World. We like these bands. We like the Run for Cover stuff. We like the Top Shelf stuff. Right. But, but this is we need a horn. But yeah, well, <laughs> we love Texas. The reason, and we're trying to do that, or we're trying to do you know specifically that. So my my answer for the '90s corner that doesn't get mined or talked about enough, and it's it's also kind of the bifurcation of all this shit. Um, is the how and we talked about a couple episodes ago how big the spiky punk and like street punk scenes were in the 90s there's bands and records that were so big like i think even if you've never heard a song by the casualties you know their name uh the band oxymoron fuck them in the 90s here's our noise was like a seminal record (laughs) um but that world because it always has had a, a little bit of an apart from hardcore at large, you don't see it referenced enough, but there's bands who crossed over. And, and like, if you like a band like restraining order, you really need to check out this band, the pissed. And there's a few yeah. gems from the nineties that really, I mean, kill your idols is a great example. They weren't from the street punk oi scene, but they also could play and did play to that. That was a whole different world that had such a big thing. Then it just hasn't seen the like nostalgia glow that I think every other corner of the room has from the nineties. Do you think like a band like Cox bar is just like stolen all the uh, oxygen from the room? They're better. So like yeah, that, they're, they're the, especially for all. Yeah. But the business were great and they weren't getting the same, you know, I, I've talked about fucking this. hockey rejects shit like that. Like, I feel like, you know, anti-heroes. I love the anti-heroes. Oh, anti-heroes were really good. And there's, there's, Yo, there's a whole room of those. Like, there were labels dedicated to that stuff. Cyclone Records, like uh, the Ducky TKO Boys had records. tracks. TKO. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, like, there's a whole world of that that is now kind of lost. Like, I think you're not. You're probably onto something. The first gen versions of those bands came back around in such a way that it was like, oh shit, they're still they're still really good live. Okay. I think some of that scene dried up a bit and you know, I don't, I don't really know who killed spiky jacket, but um, someone did. We, we need to get to the, the I mean, bottom of this like mystery. The casualties, the casualties becoming like a warp tour band kind of didn't help. Cause they were like the, the, the leaders of that, I would imagine didn't help. Right? And they had some weird shit go on, but, but like, well, I think yeah, they're, I think they're, help. yeah, I think they're crossover to it. Um, didn't help. I think that, to be honest, that there was when, like, it's a weird thing to say, but I think a lot of people who were into spiky punk who looked at punk as this thing and not just like a cool time in my life where I dyed my hair and spiked it, it did Liberty Spikes. The people who were into it gravitated <laughs> elsewhere a bit, um, many to crust. You know, like, it's not a huge leap to go from some of the early casualties records to Os Rotten for say, but Os Rotten right. had a really I mean, different feel and aesthetic. And all of a sudden you're moving away right. from it. And then it's like, you know, uh, then there's weird waves like, yo, I can't name like 
the oi scene has been a really different place for a long time. Like, like the Templars are still the, like, I can't think of a, uh, uh, an oi band who was bigger than Templars in the past 20 years. No, no. Right. That's weird. Um, I mean, I think it's, it's very telling that like, you know, like when you see like, Oh, here's, you know, so-and-so from whatever band as a kid and they almost invariably, they had a Mohawk at one point. Sure. Yeah. You will never see many pictures of the current generations. Like, you know, the, 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 the kind of forerunners of today's days. Yeah. With a picture of the, here was when I was 14 and I had a Mohawk and I loved fucking whatever. Yeah. I, I was yeah. all in on to angelic upstarts. Uh, right. Right. You know, no, I mean, which is a funny thing. You're right. Because, if you look at all the '80s New York hardcore and even like the youth of today, dudes like there was there's points where all those dudes had fucking mohawks and stupid punk hairstyles, you know, um, and that's not necessarily a reality now. I mean, in a lot of ways, hardcore got big enough that people could just get in. Like to be very honest, I got into hardcore through a street punk scene, but I wasn't attracted to that stuff much at all what attracted me was the hardcore stuff. And I really liked that. And so I ended up going to a bunch of like street punkish shows, but I was there for the hardcore. Um, so I liked some of that stuff too, but you know, I, I just think that that, that scene kind of, I'm sure there's somebody who's listening who might be able to give us more, but I always enjoyed more what, what bands did who came to it from the hardcore side. Like when 86 mentality came around, I'm like, Oh, this is a band who's doing, strain through hardcore mostly mostly hardcore though you know like this is just like early 80s like uk 82 influenced midwest hardcore awesome like this is great so it was sort of like i felt personally like oh hardcore in some ways has moved past the need for this but in reality we didn't it just kind of got lost and shuffled away so you know you see these things come up and and kind of resurface but I've never seen a full-fledged re- like revival of that kind of energy or those kind of bands. Like we've we've circled on this a bunch, but you don't see yeah. you don't see the raving band of punk kids walking around New York yeah, City. The roaming kids in suburbia or even well, yo, think about New York in the nineties. How yeah. if you were walking on St. Mark's Street, St. Mark's Place, yeah, St. Mark's Place, yeah. you were seeing Mohawks straight up. Just you were. Oh, more often than a normal haircut. <laughs> yes. Aster, Aster Place. What happened to the uh, the freakers of Aster Place? All the weirdos outside the cube. Yeah, the fucking uh, cube. Yeah, bring it back. No, all right. Is the cube still there? Am it's I crazy? still there. They, they moved it for like cleaning it up or whatever, and then they put it back. There, you, you can stay. There's room inside of that thing. <laughs> yeah, there was, a, there was a, a fun like gag where they said a dude was living in there. He didn't actually ever live in there, from what I understand, but it was a great gimmick. Totally aside, has everyone read the article about the man who lived in Veteran Stadium in Philadelphia? No. No. Um, I'll send it to you guys. Please. He was working like in like the parking garage at Veteran Stadium, where like wh- during the eighties, like when the Phillies won the World Series, and he found this like room that was like no one knew existed. So he ended up squatting there for three years. Amazing. Love it. Like looked like a fucking like a and he wrote a book. I've heard that he's he's related somehow to another a friend of the pods who also does a podcast. Mm. We can talk off air about mm. who it is, mm. um, but he put out a book and it's like fascinating. Wow. Like people would be like, 
7 a.m. How'd you get here? What are you doing here so early? And he'd be like, mm. meanwhile, he'd be like waking up from like taking a leak. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was like behind, like, like behind, like, you know, like where like they'd store like the fucking beer cans or something like right. ridiculous. But it was like, it, it, it's as if like if you've ever watched like that movie Dark Days, like about like the mole people in New York. Yeah. It's been a long yeah. time. I, I saw it so many times. Great like, movie. Probably like, fucking on VHS. People that were like, you know, were able to kind of make the find these spaces and turn them into like incredible like living plate like facility. Like it wasn't just like I have this like dirty mattress and a transistor radio. It was like, oh, they got cable. Oh yeah. yeah. They have in, they have everything. Anything you could ever need, they've figured out how to get. It's like incredible. But it was the same story with this gentleman. But I'll send you the article. Please, it's really fun. Please do. All right. Uh, uh Tom, yeah. you got a nineties question. Yeah. Um I have a bunch more, but I'll do we'll do this one quick. Yeah. Emphasis on quick. For you guys. Well, m- keep it to one or two. Yes. Your favorite local nineties band. Like truly local where I'm like from. your bands from the nineties. Like for me, it's like Dark Side and Marauder, or like Dark Side Marauder and Confusion. Okay. Like what were your like bands that you're like, these are my local nineties bands. Like these are the bands that I were my local heroes for sure when i was yeah patrick go first uh i'm gonna say definitely one king down who always put on a good show in albany for sure and i'm trying to think of 90s who who i ever made like an effort to watch disenchanted oh the wow that's a tom you have no idea how wild a reference that is for a non-albany person we played uh indecision played with them at siena college Holy shit. Um, yeah, I don't know. 90s, Albany. And it's um, together. Any of those bands? Any of the like uh, Disciples of Berkowitz? Fucking any of that? Yeah, let's say Straight Jacket. Straight I enjoyed Straight Jacket. It, they were in some ways my first show. I always say that it was. Uh, 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 it, it, so Warzone's the first show that I ever sat through that I was ever there for the whole show, but I definitely was at a uh, straight jacket show for at least 10 minutes. What was the war zone? Show? Than that. What's that? What was the war zone show? It was at bogeys. Oh, and it okay. was, uh, I've looked for the lineup. I think one King down played because they played every show. <laughs> I think, uh, but I've looked for the lineup. I think that that was my first. Maybe. Okay, because we played with them at QE2, but that might have been after you were already going. Yeah, that might be right. It was like, it, uh, we talked about this in this together, trip face, indecision, war zone at uh, QE2. And I yeah. believe that's the one I always tell the story about. Like, Teddy Tall was like throwing out stuff because it was when that movie Bordello of Blood came out. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. And they had all these like free swag. And he was like, come, you know, like he'd do like these intros before every show. And like, come up, buddy, Bordello of Blood, come up and grab some stuff. And he like went to throw something. He fell over the fucking banister, like on the microphone. And like you talk to Justin Brown in this like today and he will give you that same. Also, um, what show was I watching? Was it Life of Agony from Albany? Someone just posted one recently. And this is a complete aside. And. This is I we might have to cut this out, Pat. <laughs> We're okay, not. Yeah. But Ted stops the show to point out that there was an African American gentleman stage diving and like moshing. Okay. And he wanted to like point that out how psyched he was that the dude was getting involved. 
Okay. It was uh, super like he was like a brother man. Like he was doing like he oh, he wow. was like wholeheartedly meant it like in the nicest way. But in like 1995, it was like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Well, hold on, Tom. I'm gonna say that you were coming from New York, and uh, that wasn't peculiar in New York. But in the 90s in Albany, I'm gonna say that that was probably a, a touch on the peculiar side. But would so, you point it out? Uh, no. <laughs> would you stop no. the show and be like, hey, fellas, fellas, hold on for a second. There's a, no, I, there's I, I personally would not. Bit. I personally would not. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fuck, I have to find it now. Cause, and it's like way, it's like deep into the show. It was either a Black Train Jack show or, no, it had to be Life of Agony. or No, it was Marauder. There's a good Marauder video from QE2, I think. And he points out like 30 minutes into the set. Of this like younger black dude like stage diving off the the like those railings and stuff, and he had to just be like, hold a goddamn second, <laughs> you know, like it's not a bald white guy. Like I, I was just, just really strange to see. I mean, listen, I'll say this: when I started going to shows, at least my side of the scene, everybody looked the same. Oh, so Albany was super, 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 super Caucasian. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in the in like '96, like when we first started going up there, I was like shockingly. Then I'm like, nobody else. It's a city. Here, it's a, here's, a capital. Here, here's what I saw. I, I, it was always, uh, you know, like standard issue hardcore white guy. Then there was the pudgy version. Then uh, on very rare occasions there was the broad shouldered jacked version, and then there was the dreadlock version. But that was pretty much it. I'm, I'm going to send you both <laughs> the. Uh, Top ten most visit must visit destinations in New York State, where the as Albany comes in at number nine, uh, no wait number eight, only two spots behind Buffalo. The the subtle dissing at Albany in this like like it's not intentional, but it's hilarious. It's like is Albany just a little bit too slow for you? Looking for a little more metropolitan in your city? Check out number six on our list, Buffalo. And it's, 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 you'll both die. It's really fucking funny. Um, uh, well, I mean, between Griselda and Andy Williams, Buffalo, you know, and every time I die, Buffalo is making a comeback. Uh, hold on. I just want to, so I'm looking to see if this, I'm looking for this Warzone show that I was I looking for it too. I couldn't find it. Trying to figure it out. And, I, I, how's this for a show? Strife, Warzone, Spark Marker, Dillinger Escape Plan. Yeah. Wow. It's a good little game. 1997. It's a good little concert. I did see Strife at Bogies too. I wonder what year that was. That was 98. Um, right. 98. Because we played, it was end of a line, end of line, indecision, Strife. Nice. No shit. Yeah. Interesting. Was it end of line? Was that the band with the, the, the tall dude from One King Down's brother? That's right. Was it end of line? Pretty sure. Yeah. They were like super like tech. I think they had like a slightly more singing thing going on than right, than right. A lot of hardcore did. Yeah, um, it, was, it was three bands on like a Monday night or something. That's always gonna work. It was uh, great though because it was strife. Can I ask you guys? It, it, hold on, I've got one question. That's my last question. We all take jail pretty seriously here, right? Yes. Would you rather go to jail or would you rather? have an album that looks like the down by law punk rock Academy fight song album. Jail. How long in jail? <laughs> <laughs> like a weekend. 
Yeah, I'm saying like a Joe. week. Uh, it can be pretty serious in there, Bob. You know how it is. I, I'm going to say for me, definitely jail. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it depends. Am I going to Rikers? Am I going to a jail in like, like suburban Michigan? Mm, you know what? You don't get to choose. It's just roll the dice. Um, but you do know what Rikers. that album cover looks like. I'm looking at it now. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty terrible, but it's very of the time. Ugh, this is like a step left of like Jersey's best dancers. Yes, that's what's exactly the what's um, a step left. Of. What's it's all right? So what's the uh, Tom Hanks wasn't in the movie, but he helped maybe produce it. It was about like a. How did we not talk about White Boy Summer? Oh yeah, way? well, I think I think the podcast hosted by three white dudes. We were just trying to avoid the obvious. Um, because it's the worst thing ever, <laughs> yeah. and the guy put together merch that looks like white power merch, and he talks talks in yeah. a Jamaican patois. All right, it's not the best. Okay, the, that thing saw. you do, yes. the movie. Okay, yeah, that's what the yep. cover yes. of Punk Rock Academy fight songs reminds me of. Um, oh, and yeah. I'm I'm out. That's true. He did. Yeah, he was a manager in the movie, and all the songs were written by the dude from Fountains of Wayne who passed away recently. That's the 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 cuffs clicking. Um, Tom, to answer your question, my local bands because Patrick yes, moved yeah. forward. Let's get back to, yeah. um, I am uh, I'm gonna nod at Floor Punch because they were awesome and they were almost larger than life, but also really cool to younger dudes like me, which was right. Cool. They were local, but like a nationwide, yeah, worldwide. Yeah, thing. but I will cool. say that that's a rare. Yeah, it, they were fucking awesome dudes about it, and um, the two were full speed ahead who were local dudes, okay. but all like actually seriously local from the town I was from and the next town over and saw them all the time. And they were awesome. Like shaped, shaped me and every dude I know at the shore. Um, no question for better and worse. Sorry guys. Um, and, uh, and the other local band is the degenerics who were not, wow, not yeah. the shore, but they were from new Brunswick and we all loved them. And, uh, they were weird, but they were punk and they were fun. And uh, they played all kinds of shows. Played all kinds of shows. Never, never toured as much as they should have. I think they made. I think they did one U.S. tour that was essentially like a ten show. Like they played Chicago and then California a couple times and then came home. Um, Fuck. And you know they're they're one of those like every state has these bands that it's like, hey, who's the band that? killed it in your state but didn't elsewhere new jersey's got a lot of those but uh the generics had had some real power here so that was they yeah. were and, and they, they were had, always they fun. The aughts, right like they i remember seeing them with like bane for sure like, I, I mean i think they i think they were from like 95 to 01 or 02 something like that yeah yeah did they ever go on to anything else uh yeah this the singer craig did this band kamikaze with okay. pete from in search of tracks podcast with me and oh. uh, a couple other dudes. Um, they and a guy from Fan Shen, I think. All right, I never knew how to say that band. Yeah, Fan Shen. Um, and so then, yeah, is that a GI Joe thing. Yes, it is. Because there was a storm shadow. storm shadow, Fan Shen, try fail try, um, which is not related to GI Joe, but just you know, in the in the same group of bands. I was like, was that a GI uh, Joe thing? Did I not? No, Degenerics. And I mean, those are those are the two that I think of because. Both bands were playing when I first started going to shows, and then as I was in hardcore for a while, like Degenerics probably start ninety five. I think Full Speed Heads maybe ninety six. Yeah, 
Um, but they were both like important bands to me, especially young. So cool. Love it. Uh, uh, did I make up this Warzone show? Because <laughs> I'm Mandela at, effect. It, it might be. I'm looking at. I mean, I distinctly remember like. I, I remember mush mouthing the fucking uh, Warzone lyrics because I ended up in the front. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but I'm looking at it's crazy what this is doing to me. I'm looking at show like whatever shows I can find from the 90s and yeah. in, in uh, uh, on setlist.fm. Well, did you go to Hardcore Flyers? Hardcore Show Flyers, Doc. I did, couldn't yep. find it. And, but I'm looking at all these shows that like I'm, I'm now quite certain I was at and I do not remember at all. Like, this there's a VOD show that now that I reflect on it, pretty certain I was there. Right. And <laughs> trying to like, I'm like, Oh, where do these memories go? That's crazy. I'm going to do a zine at some point where I just have, I have a bunch of old flyers, but I'm going to do the flyer. And then my memories from the show mostly as a, as a memory exercise, because it's really hard. Like I'll see flyers occasionally and be like, Oh yeah, that show. Oh, that was cool. And sometimes the memories as faint as, oh yeah, I went to that show at Swank. I don't remember anything else, you know. So, yeah. right. You re- you remember the the tr- the ride there more than you me- you remember the show itself. One thousand percent. Oh, here's something. Were you ate afterwards? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, um. Okay. Yeah. I would. Yeah. I just wanted to kind of give some burn to like some of the bands that we grew up seeing that might not be household names. No. I we some of us were lucky. You know, we had the One King Downs, we had the Four Punches, we had fucking Marauder and Dark Side mm-hmm. and Confusion. But like, yeah, just you know, yo. And there's the I thing I, I th- Patrick had this with with some like Tom. You you're so intimately familiar with some of those bands who because they were opening for Indecision. Like every scene has those weird local bands. I I frequently reference the band Sov, uh, who were super local, and they might as well have been the Chromags with how important they felt to me and like my small group of friends. Like. If SOV was playing, we were going to the show. Like they were awesome. What do you mean? Like, and at that point, but then you realize, like, oh, okay. So they're kind of like, you know, they played a couple out of state shows, but they were mostly just important to like the few hundred punk kids who lived in Monmouth and Ocean County. You know what I mean? So it's always right, interesting right. how that stuff plays. And some of it, some of it you realize like later, like, oh, people, people really care about this band elsewhere. Weird, you know? Um, right. All right, Patrick, I think think it's your turn oh i'm, a, I'm out? out of All questions right. I, I, i'm gonna give i just yeah. want to say can you imagine uh seeing machine head at the qe2 in 1997 that's, that's after their cool. big record that's what i'm saying that's insane it was like a fucking 200 person venue um tom you got a question i got i got one or two more yeah yeah let's go i i have four more nice um one of which is funny and mostly for bob nice but, um, okay, um, we'll go for negative one for now. Let's do it. And this might only be my own experience, so this may not be of any interest to you guys at all. Mm-hmm. What was the worst, worst hardcore turn? Ooh, rockabilly guy or rocket from the crypt rocker dude? Neither's good. No, that's a that's a real one. I think turbo negro dude which is close oh so that's you know what that's probably better than rocket from the crypt because i like rocket yeah. from the crypt but everyone became like i have turbo jugend on my jacket yeah, yeah. I, I think that yeah. was worse um so rocket from the crypt guy i think might have s- pushed himself away from hardcore stuff faster 
but rockabilly guy just sucked more turbo dude was like mixing both in some sort of shit stew and like turbo dude was like i'm pushing away from hardcore and got into stuff and now i'm a real rocker like like i there was a moment tell me if this was your experience there was a moment with the turbo negro dude where it felt like they thought hardcore was less extreme than what they had gotten into correct that's so fucking insane it was so corny. Yeah. Um, like, yo, you got into yeah, But I would like yeah. to switch out the Rocket from the Crypt for the Turbo Jugend because I feel like Rocket from the Crypt had some fucking bangers. Like, But I feel like – but the Pat is 100% right. The Turbo Negro, like, yeah. there was that turn that everyone started dressing like, you know, denim jackets with, like, their logo stuff on it. Maybe sometimes wearing, like, a weird leather, like, yep. page boy hat. Jeans, jeans, yo. tucked in black shirt, big belt. Yeah, not into no. it. No, uh, and you know, I'll be honest. Uh, that one, uh, Ass Cobra and Apocalypse Dudes, are both good records. If you just listen, very catchy. Yeah, and if I mean, even Scandinavian Leather, I think I can rock with. But like, if you listen to those records, they're cool. It's just that the that I mean, this harkens back to an episode we did a while ago when the fans ruined it. Yo, the fans ruined this band, Rocket from the Crypt. Yes. I, I I think I'm with you, Tom. I don't think their fans ruined it. But they were like a gateway to getting out of hardcore. And a lot of people, like where the Turbo Dude thought not only were they cooler, they were more extreme than hardcore. Uh, the Rocket from the Crypt Dude just thought they were cooler. They thought what they had found. And like, right, like I can wear creepers and like. And there's, there, maybe there's women present in the room more often than right. fucking hardcore right. shows in 1998. Um, Rocket did do. Did you ever hear this, the, the thing that they used to do? In, I mean, in the 90s before they became too big? No. If you had a rocket from the crypt oh, yeah. tattoo, you got in for free to their shows. I did know that. Yeah, because lots of people got rocket. I knew I knew more people that had rocket from the crypt tattoos than I definitely deserved to, being that I was eighteen in two thousand. You know what I mean? So, um, right. So it was probably one of those things. It's like, well, if I pay fifty bucks now for this, I'll get to go rocket. see them free for the rest of my life. Right, and then after a while, they're like, yeah, we can't do that anymore. Yeah, like don't come to Coachella thinking you're getting in for free because you got a fucking rocket from the crib rocket dick. That's pretty fucking good. All right, um, for both of you, what are the '90s New York hardcore required listening? '90s. So I think set it off. Yeah, Madball set it off and demonstrate my style. Set it off. Yes. Um, Set your goals. Siv, set your goals. Great pick. Train yard Um, blues. Yep. Train yard blues for sure. Marauder Master Killer? Marauder Master yes. Killer. Yes, definitely. Um Life of a Spectator. Okay. Counts. Okay. Yeah, I mean they played CBs all the time. And guys, and by the way, Counts. this is where I'm I'm excluding some of the uh 80s 80s bleed over into the 9091 cuz I I have a ton of stuff I could throw at that, but we're not going to count it. That's bleed over. So everything we've named uh, scratch- is clearly pure 90s. Yeah, scratch the surface. Yeah, um, is is for both of you. I want to ask you this: Is scratch the surface more essential than just look around? Yes. Is yes. built to last more essential than just look around? No. I mean, I th- well, it's bigger. It's bigger, Patrick. Yeah. For you, would- uh, just look around. Just look around is okay. better okay. for sure. 
Justin um, Brown needed an editor. Mm. And they even said it. They're like, yeah. yeah, we were like in like a big studio and we were like on a big label and stuff. So we wrote three minute songs. We didn't need to write three minutes on the best mustaches of their career, too. Incredible. Yeah, really yeah. good stash time. Um, all right. Any other uh, Tom? Obviously, there's people who would say indecision unorthodox. So we'll say that for you. Yes. Um, Thank you. The, I'm trying to think what else was around at that time that was like really. OK, here's um, the question. Time yeah. has not been kind. But there's a moment where H2O was almost inarguably the biggest New York hardcore band. Yes. Oh, no doubt. So, I mean, sound, I mean the, sick of it all at the time were like unbeatable, but sure. like they were two. They were number two. And, and and I think it was like, hey, they're number two and they have the new energy and like there might be nights. I mean, no, yeah, right. So H2O self-titled album, yeah. the first record. Yeah. I, I would say first and, and, and maybe even third. Yeah, uh, that's the way I go. Some people... There are people who really like the second, but I haven't revisited those records in a long time. But I think if you're if you're trying to put together a '90s New York hardcore playlist, you are f- not being honest if you leave H2O out, right? A hundred percent. I mean, do you consider like Dead Guy a New York band? I do not, because I, I, I feel like at the time before. I felt like they were, but I could be totally wrong. They, I mean, when mm, we put Threefold Misery. <sighs> 108 hit this weird space in my understanding of them that they felt like one of those like it's like the bad right things. like like uh, uh, they, they exist in an ocean they're in international waters you know, you know what I mean like, yeah. like they just I mean, they didn't have I mean yeah Rob didn't live in Edison the whole no whole exactly place. I think 108 belonged you know, like, to the streets you know what I mean they were just out there yeah I, what about I leeway just, is that too too early is that what you mean by the bleed over? Because Desperate Measures it's 90, isn't it? 1991. I think it's bleed over because it was recorded in like 88. Yeah, because it was two. I think it was like Born to Expire was recorded in 87, came out in 89, yeah. and then they recorded in 89, it came out in 91. Yeah, or exactly. Exactly. Like Jeez. crazy. So dumb. Um, oh, my. I don't know how they did. Yeah. <laughs> what, else, what else was there in the 90s? Um, okay. So, so you did Life of a Spectator. Um, yeah, I think that's how. I mean, is there anything like? Do, are we putting a '90s Murphy's Law record in there? Should should there be a '90s Murphy's Law record on there? Is dedicated a '90s record? I'm looking right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't know that it's. It's not like canonical. It's not must listen. No, okay. it was best of times was '90. Yeah, no, but that might have been '91 or something. '92. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't count that. I don't know if they play much from dedicated. No, they don't. Um. God, I'm, Warzone I'm records the from the nineties. Or is there anything back with the bond is so good. Back man. with bond, so good. It's so so good. Um, yeah, any of the Warzone records that that the first victory Warzone records pretty good. I don't dislike you know. I, I still ride along for the last fucking victory record, the last record. Um, I think that hits it. Like, I'm trying to think if there's anything we missed. Obviously, I think if you get Madball I mean, I and you get Crown of Thorns. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, the the AF reunion record was great. Something's got to give, right? I think like if you listen to that without being like, "I want victim in pain," that's a great fucking hardcore record. I'm, I swear to you. Well, it's, it it falls into the the work the the argument that we have not argument the the conversation we have, which isn't an argument, but the like the method it suffers because it follows a classic. 
Now, a, right, now right, something's right. got to give didn't come out right after victim in pain or, you know, I, I put cause for alarm at classic level for me. Liberty and justice sure. isn't, isn't either of those records, but nobody's hating on it. Something's got to give no. essentially was just being compared to AF, which is this monolith of like just fucking everything great about New York. Hardcore. Right. But if you listen to the songs in and of themselves, you're like, these are good fucking hardcore songs. Yeah. I think that, that I think I, it's there. I just, I'm just looking at, H2O's Wikipedia. <laughs> they did they did Todd Friend wrong on this one, man. What did they do? Go take a look at the photos at the bottom of the page. It's just like decent photos of the band and then like just an unflattering photo of Todd Friend. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> like, really it just bad. Sucks. It just sucks. From my eyes are kind of blurry because uh, I, I don't have my contact lens solution. He looked like a small child from the 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 thumbnail image, you know. Well, it's a it's kind of a it's a weird, very weird angle. I mean, everything. All right. Anyway, sorry, Todd. Sorry, Todd. Friend. I hope that they get a better shout out, photo Todd. Friend. Um, nice dude. Good drummer. All right. I think that hits it. There's probably someone yelling at the radio that we missed something, but. Um, I think that that that's that's good for the '90s must must do listens from New York yeah. hardcore. All right, so you want me to do my last two? Yeah, do it. I, I mean, I have I have like f- many more, but I, I'm I'm cutting it. I'll do oh. one more. So you do one, I'll do one, and you do last one. Okay. Um, in your recollection, and there's only one answer for this. So whatever your your answer must be is answer, or you're wrong. What was the most prevalent? clothing item that you would see at shows <laughs> i have an answer patrick do you have an answer um i mean not necessarily uh, a shirt it could be pants it could be a shirt it could be an accessory um, I'm an accessory I'm, I'm, that you I'm, may I'm put on your bag yeah uh tragedy tragedy uh uh patch came in the early 2000s right so it's yeah not, not that. that correct um, bob what's your uh, answer well my answer, I was thinking first, maybe because I was stuck on the H2O Wikipedia, but I was thinking about uh, wallet chains. Oh, sure. Oh, oh okay. That's a good one. No, I, I want to hear I want to hear what I'm missing, though. I think it, I think there might be something. Pat, what's your answer? Um, I mean, obviously, the obvious answer, which is not the fun answer, is standard issue hardcore shirt with the I- image on the ba- uh, photo on the back and really inappropriately deep lyrics on the back that just make people at the mall ask you weird questions so like See, that's too general from what i for what i, I was know, looking I know, hit I us tom the only answer is the avail patch oh yeah yeah yes you're oh, totally, yes, yes. I, when yes. when patrick started talking about the patch on the bag i was like oh which fucking patch is it i think you're it's, right i mean I, I, you, okay. avail patches were, the, were uh, standard issue got one in the mail that and tragedy two biggest patches two biggest patch bands ever yeah, I mean, Crass might have something to say, but in 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 the I mean, I modern like you parlor, could go to a hardcore show in in the in in Jersey or in New York, any hardcore show, and not see multiple avail patches. Yo, the yes. the the prevalence of bags like shoulder bags. Um, yeah, that's not it's not the same anymore. It's it hasn't been that way for a long time. But there was. So many yeah. people had the shoulder bag, uh, hey, unisex, like the bicycle, you know. Yeah, fellas, if you're just on your computer, mm-hmm. just look at Todd Morse's 
photo on Discogs? Is he what are we doing? Two, is, is he just just to answer my question? Is he next to two giant pieces of popcorn? Where am I looking? Do I go to I Discogs and look for the H two O band? Yeah, you can search Todd Morse. You can just go to Todd Morse. He, he, he's the only relevant. Is it Todd Morse one? There we go, Todd Morse. Yes, that is definitely giant things of popcorn. But here's the thing. Uh-huh. No, he looks he's a good, member of though. the offspring. Man. I mean, I don't know how long ago this was. Yo, Todd looks good. Am yeah, I wrong? So- he looks real good. Oh, he, he looks, looks like fine. a model. Is he- yeah, man. Is he a full is, is he a full member of the offspring? Is that what it yeah. is? Yes. God bless, man. Yeah, he's feeling good. Shout out to him. Um what, what's up with the wait, 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 fellas. What's up with the fucking popcorn though? What do you want? Man's living his life, man. They're giant pieces of popcorn. I don't even know what that is. Okay. Or are they bags? Of, are, are they clear bags of clothing? No, they're popcorn. They're no. kernels. That's that looks popcorn. like he got like all of his laundry done and folded and sent back to them. Look on the left. That looks like oh, that's all my. Those are all my towels. But he's sitting outdoors between no, two giant pieces. They're of popcorn. giant pieces of popcorn. They're not real popcorn, um, dude. He's do we know that? Can full, we verify? This that? is full Hollywood. So uh, the the request from us is everyone go to the Todd Morse Discogs page. Find the photo. It's Todd between two giant pieces of popcorn. We want to know um, where that's from and how we can. Send I think he's it. wearing a bedazzled class shirt. Yep. Yeah. It's, it, listen, this is not. This is either the best look or the worst look. I don't know. Bedazzled class shirt under a sports coat, gr- uh, shiny. I mean, dress pants. Yeah, shiny, like a shiny gray uh, sh- jacket and pants combo. I think he's looking good, like well fitted. Yep. I wish I knew what kind of belt he was wearing because that would give me a better sense on how well put together this outfit is. I feel like he might not be wearing a belt. He might not be. It, it, it might not need is to. This one of those, you know, like Hollywood Hills Satan worshiper shits. Is that what this is? Who knows, man? He's at that. Are you saying he's at like Bohemian Grove between two? Thank you. Yes. And and I think I'm starting to wonder if Bob isn't covering. Yo, maybe. I'm just saying. I lived in California for a while. Bob's not going to Florida. He's going to Bohemian Grove, man. Yeah, he's really he's trying to redirect my Todd Morse uh, investigation. Hey, I just I just amplified your message, so please, I'm an ally. So we're gonna. How did you not mention that his alias is Doctor Rocco? (laughs) (laughs) That's the alias you want people to holler at. I didn't know he was in Juliet and the Licks. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he wouldn't do a lot of the H2O stuff because yeah. he was doing Juliet and the Licks stuff. Okay. He's significantly less cool looking in the first Juliet and the Licks photo. Second one, looking sharp, has his collar popped and is showing off a little bit of a tattoo. Um, yeah. Yeah. Third photo, pretty good. Fourth photo, um, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, so photo two. Overall, Todd Morse, photogenic dude. Yeah, yeah, could be for sure. All right, yeah, I mean, hey. let me give my last question. I've got a few more, but I, I we will cut it. Um, I'll make this a two part because they're connected. Um, does New Age Records get the credit they deserve? No, no. They were a very, 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 very big and important label. In the first fifty to sixty percent of the nineties, yes, easily, yes, and they did records that you don't always think about. I mean, the Redemption eighty seven record that we mentioned, for sure. That's ninety six. That's on New Age. It, it's one of the best LPs of that sound of that era, and it's not close. Um, 
the Redemption 87, right? Yeah, right? Like, it's like, oh, hey, yeah, yeah. hey, we're going to give you a band who unapologetically wants to play fast, hardcore like Youth of Today, but also... And like Antidote. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Antidote and throw in, like, some punk energy as well. Um, and it's like, yo, every youth crew kid's going to love this, but also punk kids could get into this because the energy is so high, high level, you know? Um, the impact that the new age catalog had is kind of like low key big. And uh, you know, people talk about it, but don't always acknowledge it. I think sometimes the bands get acknowledged more than the label, which is the way it should be. But when you look at the, the catalog, when you actually start going through the discography, it's like, Oh shit. They, they launched a lot of boats on both sides of the, the country. Um, they were putting out bands from kind of everywhere, but, but they made a big, they weren't revelation did that first, right? They, and, and not, they weren't the first label to do that. Labels were doing that, but revelation basically, you know, doing all the youth crew bands. Then they were making friends with the California bands. Oh, we'll do their records now too. Other labels were doing that, but New Age did it in the 90s in a way with a whole new crop of bands, and I don't think that gets noted. New Age, for that time period, was Bridge Nine, was Triple B, was was Revelation, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, they picked up like when there was like the downtime during Rev. Yeah, where Rev was moving and doing the, the, the first generation of Rev bands um, had moved on and started doing their next bands, Quicksand, Into Another, Shelter, etc., New Age came in and did that that active group of hardcore bands, um, and I think that that doesn't. I think it gets lost a little bit. I think it's cool, and they've come back and they still do some stuff now, which is pretty cool. Yeah, um, one, the reason this kind of popped in my head was one of my other questions was about the band Chorus of Disapproval, who I I love and I don't ever hear anyone talk about, um, nope. and who I'm like, oh, you know, for me. I talk about how I did the search for like metallic hardcore that I would like when I was young. And then when I found integrity, those who fear tomorrow. And when I found course of disapproval, the firm standing law, like compilation of all their records, I was like, Oh, here we go. This is, this is what I want. This is the version of the shit that I love. And, um, and lo and behold, that CD came out on new age. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy. We we talk about Slapshot a lot on this, but not Chorus. And to me, those are not worlds apart and definitely should be mentioned in the same breath. I say we do a deep dive. Let's do a deep dive on Chorus because it's, it's fun. I don't know if you guys would like... I think if you look at it, they might be the roots of OC Metalcore. Before Adamantium. Oh, yeah. If you listen to those songs, it's it's so much crunchier than I think a lot of people acknowledge... And um, yo, it's there's a lot of vitriol there. It's really angry, and you can feel it bleeding out of the music. I I love course of disapproval, um, and I think they don't get a to- ton of love. So I, I I think they don't get acknowledged enough. But yeah, go. Uh, Bob, you know you know what that might What's be that? that they're overshadowed by uh, their other wildly more successful and, and impressive acts that they went on to do after. <laughs> Oh, Count Chocula! <laughs> Count Chocula! Yeah, Count Chocula. I know, I know. It's tough. Um, but anyways, if uh, but also they were around, you know, like 
mouthpiece kind of came, you know, came. Dude, mouthpiece, bigger, mouthpiece was huge. Uh, outspoken. Yeah, and 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 I think Chorus didn't. I think they toured a little bit, but not a ton. Um, I know they toured, but it just in kind of same way. I don't think they picked up on other side of the country. I was thinking about them and was thinking like, were they, were they overlooked? Did they ever have a moment where they were loved? Are they more like the outburst? Whereas outburst, like, yo, I love the outburst record. But when you talk to people who are around who are like, yeah, outburst was cool, but they weren't like, they weren't the headliner on the show. They were like second or third. Right. right. They never and, were. And that might have been the story for Chorus. I'd love to get some more detail on that and talk to people. Right. Were they like opening for like Amenity or fucking or whomever? They like- were in the mix playing a lot of those shows. So uh, yeah. um, going to the larger, uh, take a minute. And even if you think you're familiar with the New Age catalog, go and scroll through. Go uh, by date and scroll through the New Age catalog and go, oh, Walk Proud, Turning Point LP, Pressure Release, Second 7-inch, which is fucking really good. The Powerhouse 7-inch from Florida, which is really good. Um, Outspoken, Survival. Oh, they did Upfront Records. Oh, Outspoken, Front. Oh, then then you go into the Mouthpiece 7-inch, where it's Live By, Resurrection 7-inch, Lifetime 7-inch, Strife 7-inch. You know, like, um, they, they, Unbroken, you know, like, they put out a lot of stuff that really mattered and has seen kind of, we've seen it kind of ebb and flow as terms of what people appreciate from this catalog, but more so like step back and look at how cool this shit was. This is, this is really cool. And um, I think that some people will name check new age, but won't really dig through this catalog. And when you start to look through it, yeah, there's not, there's going to be stuff that, that you're not into, but there's going to be something here for you. And then you get later and it's like, okay, redemption 87 is 96. Then they do strain, collateral damage, eleven thirty-four. Oh, they put out trial foundation, you know? Right. So um pretty interesting label, and I think something that definitely needs to be known for more than the Count Chocula record. Yeah, and they've right. yeah, they've done a ton of stuff. You know, they did treat like they a ton of stuff in the last few years, oh. even. Oh, and, and they put out a restraining order record, mm-hmm. they put out a treason, red bait, they put out Safe and sound. They put out fucking abuse of power. Four, like, yeah. So so they've done. They've they've stayed. They've they've they basically took a little while there through the two thousands where they weren't doing stuff, but have kind of come back and done this and that. I mean, they did the maniac twelve inch. Um, so shout out, shout out to New Age. Love what you're doing. Really don't think they get the love they necessarily deserve. I think it does get name checked in some circles, but almost more just because it's like, yeah, New Age Records. It's cool. And I think it's only pointing to like one, maybe two reference points. But if you start looking around, you go, oh, this really was far more than you know. right. Yeah. Like it, it's the same way we did the bridge nine March madness tournament thing on our last Patreon. Yo, new age might not have 64 for us to do, but you could do a new age tournament. So that that's Absolutely. fucking cool. And they put out to kill holiday monitor dependency, which is one of my favorite seven inches of all time. For sure. All right, Tom, Back also, to back with Unbroken Circus 77. Are you kidding me? Yeah, look, I, I, I just, I'm going to make this one clear because I'm just looking up uh, pictures of Isaac from uh, Chorus. Uh, that dude could still definitely beat me up. So I'm just going to walk back everything, all my Count Chocula jokes. Yeah. Yo, uh, a very nice dude uh, when I've met him. So shout out to Isaac. Um, Tom, do you got a question for us? Let's close it out. Yeah, you want this to be the last Let's one? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. 
According to Wikipedia, only to according to Wikipedia, so don't take this as law. Okay. This is Wikipedia. That word is law. Which is down, down by law. Right. You can edit Wikipedia and so it's crowdsourced. So you know it's right. <laughs> it's infallible. So according to Wikipedia, who has had more members of their roster? Shai Halud or the nineteen ninety seven Super Bowl champion Denver Broncos? <laughs> um Wow, fantastic question. Um, I want to. Sh- what's the op? Shout out John Elway. Oh, no, I was going to say, what's the opposite of a shout out? Shout down. Yeah, shout down. Um, whisper down. I want to. I want to. Want to know? Thank. I want to. I want to bum out police. Um, hardcore because I was getting into hard. I was like full on. Like this is what I'm about. I love this. Um, and I didn't love and appreciate the 97 Broncos Super Bowl as much as I should have, uh, despite the fact okay. that it was a culmination of my most uh, serious passion up to that point in my life, which is the Denver Broncos. Um, Do you guys remember in a 90s vibe, before we answer the question, yes. here's another question that's an offshoot yes. of that, as you were talking about shout outs. Yes. Do you remember bands would do the thanks and the no thanks list in their records? Oh yeah. Yes. No thanks to my seventh period English teacher said I would never amount to nothing. Fuck you. No thanks to this sketchy promoter. Blah blah. blah. No thanks to uh, and that's not a thing anymore. And like bands, bring that shit back. Like no well, thanks I mean, to fucking Patrick. Kinley. We're, gonna en- we're gonna end up in there if we yeah, do that. But uh, I don't know record, if you would. Maybe you would. Uh, somebody's record is definitely gonna definitely the the sophomore follow up is gonna be having no thanks to me. Yeah. Whose record? And I'm just suggest. Well, there is one out there that is. Yeah. It, there's one out there, but it. it no thanks to Patrick Kinlan for hanging out at Whole Foods instead of watching my band. No, nah, I, th- I think. Listen, I think. Uh, 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 what do you call it? Uh, bridges have been uh, mended. Mend the fence. Uh, Heal the wound. So. Uh, uh, but I, I definitely build that wall. No. Oh Jesus. Uh, not that no. one. No. <laughs> All right. No. So but to I, answer, I think Shai Halud had more members than the Super Bowl champion '97 Denver Broncos. Yeah, I'll get that. Okay, so how many would you say were on a Brooklyn? On what? What's the in 1997, Bob? I'm sure you'd remember. I kind of remember. What's the usual roster? 52 man for an NFL football. 52 man roster. 53. Yeah. According to Wikipedia, which I think some people had some fun recently, but I still (laughs) think they beat them. (laughs) Shilud has had 73 members. That's a fucking fuck. All right, so let's pull up the Wikipedia because 2017 it gets real gray. Um, <laughs> I'm pulling up the Shia Lou like, Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, oh my god. Some of them are legit, but there was like they did not have six singers unless you're counting people that like sang along at shows. Uh, they might have had six singers if you talk about like uh, dudes that filled in for two tours and stuff. I'm looking at the 2017. It sounds like maybe it was That's different what I'm legs. Saying. That's where it gets a little wacky. Looks like it might be different legs um, of a tour. It certainly is. All right. Let's play math here. I see uh, in 2017, I see one, two, three, four, 24. five, uh, six, seven. I see seven drummers. 
Yeah, there were 24 members in 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 2017, all of which Fox and Matt. Yeah, I think Matt Fletcher, but at least Fox were full time members. I see six different vocalists as pure vocalists, not not backup vocals. Um, Yeah, man, I don't know. I'm not ruling it out. Let's let's say we because here's the deal: they didn't just beat it; they smashed it, right? Like they they're they're over twenty. Beat them by twenty. So I think that right. So even if you take out most of these, even we take out a third for for margin, he's still they still got it. Right, like Nate Gluck <laughs> from Ensign. He definitely played for Shilud. Did a guy named Spiky Goldbach play drums for Shilud in 2000? I'm going to say, yeah, I think so. I, I'm, I recognize a lot of the former members. I recognize names. a bunch the of former these names. I mean, Oliver was like the OG mm-hmm. when we used to play with him all the time. Dave Silber, Jared Allen for a long time. Steve Kleisath was, was around for a long time. Andrew Gormley is just a legend. Tony Tentari was from Chicago. He played with them for a long time. Chris Carden, like all the, and Damien, Chad Gilbert. I, Gears, I'm, I'm looking right now and I'm, I think they're missing people to be honest. Of the former members. Yeah. I'm looking right now, but these are people that are like, we're on records. Like okay. Mike Moynihan did a bunch of tours with them. Greg Thomas played with them for a long, you know, for a tour, like for a year. There's someone these that everyone ones, in like, the room knows who sang for them. I think at least for a while, Oh, a friend of ours yeah, from who is, Philly slash Jersey. Yeah, who is not listed. So they might have more. <sighs> That's what I'm saying, buddy. Like they, oh, So any, somebody make up the Shai Halud uh, helmet design. Uh, they're fielding the team. Yeah, I mean, they'd have to make cuts. You'd like, ha- like there'd be 25 people in the practice squad. Matt Fox, uh, <laughs> general manager Matt Fox. Uh Put me in, coach. You ready to play? Yeah, I mean, at this point, he's like the Walter Matthau of the team. Like, he's just like, he's running the team. He's like cursing at people. He should quit for a while so he can just manage the team. Like, and then he can, he can, he he manages that. Yeah, I know. I I think he should just, he should click himself out, have a total full fill in so he can, like, manifest destiny to be sitting at at, at a computer watching the live stream as they play and he is right he's right. shy halluding, or, you know right or you can watch from like the soundboard every night and be like you didn't play that <laughs> that exactly right you know? a credit to that dude very very talented guitar player really nice dude he's an old old pal and like i mean his guitar his music his musicianship has made an incredible imp- impact on heavy music so like there's no fucking with this dude's like you know it's just the amount of people that have been in and out of that band outrageous is we do need to see some citation here wikipedia is a little bit unnerved by this i see it they're looking for something we don't totally believe this so if you support the shy halud wikipedia please donate to wikipedia and uh let's get some citations going uh someone just posted something from the this shop this just in from chubby fresh he posted a youtube oh okay he's he's being racist (laughs) cut it (laughs) 